0: 316. Says I just whipped your ass. You can call this the new world order of wrestling, brother. Here, yes. I'm- Welcome to the Royal Ramble Wrestling Podcast on this Thursday, June the 15th, 2017, here on It'sYourRadio.com. I am your host, Brian Sinek. With me, as always, is the co-host, Ryan Mortarone. Ryan, how you doing, buddy? Hey, Brian. I'm doing pretty good today. How about you? Doing pretty good myself. Uh, We have a big show for you guys. A lot to talk about. A lot has gone on over the past week in professional wrestling. A lot is going to go down this weekend as well. We are coming off the heels of a crazy, amazing, wild show that took place this past Sunday in Osaka, Japan for New Japan Pro Wrestling called Dominion. So much to talk about with that show, including the epic rematch between Kenny Omega and Kazuchika Okada. We'll talk about that match as well as the rest of the card. Also, of course, we gotta talk about the upcoming uh, New Japan's upcoming new show, uh, the G1 Climax, which is of course uh, heading over to the states in Long Beach, California. The uh, first uh, night will be broadcasted live on Axis Television. The match card for that show has been announced, so we'll talk about that show as well. We'll also, of course, jump into WWE and give our usual weekly recap of Raw, SmackDown Live, and NXT. Some big things going on for each show. Um, raw, course, Samoa Joe, Brock Lesnar had their first ever encounter. And i got to say, it delivered in a very big way, so will give our thoughts on that. Of course, SmackDown Live having its go-home show for the big pay-per-view this Sunday and Money in the Bank, which we will, of course, be giving our predictions for in the second hour. And, of course, NXT as they are moving along a big uh, triple threat match last night involving the Women's Championship between Asuka, Nikki Cross, and Ruby Riott. Plus, some other news going on in wrestling, of course, uh, something involving Triple H is not too pleased with the way uh, Vince McMahon has been handling his uh, NXT talents so uh so much to get into in the next coming hours before we do that guys of course you know the deal you want to follow us on social media go right ahead we are on twitter at royal ramble IYR you can also like us on facebook facebook.com slash royal ramble wrestling also give us a follow on the instagram at royal ramble wrestling if you happen to miss us live on it's Your radiocom don't forget subscribe to the show on itunes and on stitcher the episodes usually go up the next day so expect to see this episode up tomorrow morning or afternoon so again guys leave us a rating as well what do you think of our show do you like us do you hate us we want to hear from you guys so that's the deal about that so let's jump right into it ryan dominion Um, This past Sunday in Osaka Japan the biggest one-night event of the year for New Japan Pro Wrestling Dominion Basically their SummerSlam Uh, it's one of the biggest events I think in in all of wrestling period because of uh, Just the anticipation and the matches put together and again, uh, New Japan uh, did them uh, um, Did well for themselves on this match card, putting together some tremendous matches and of course The match that everybody was looking forward to the most was the epic rematch between uh, Kenny Omega and Kazuchika Okada. Of course, their first encounter happening at Wrestle Kingdom 11, which many people said was the greatest match in the history of the business. Well, Ryan, I've been watching professional wrestling for 18 years. I started back in 2000 and I've been watching it ever since. I mean, I had... In the middle, around 2010, I faded out of wrestling a little bit, but, you know, back in 2012, I got back into watching it. haven't stopped watching since. And there have been so many great matches that I have seen in my wrestling watching life, basically. You know, uh, matches from WWE, matches from TNA, matches from Ring of Honor, throughout the independents, and even here and even in Japan. Um... And it's a rare occurrence, Ryan, when you see a rematch, you know, because there's been a lot of great rematches, you know, from Austin versus Rock to Taker versus Michaels to Steamboat versus Flair. There have been so many great matches in the history of this business. And and it's very tough for the rematch to top the very first match, all right? It's a rare occurrence to see a rematch outdo the first match of a trilogy or a sequel, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, well, this past Sunday – I'm not going to sit here Ryan and say which match was the better match between the first or the second, but I will say this right now, Kenny Omega versus Kazuchika Okada 2 might have been the most intense wrestling match that I have ever seen in my life. I mean I am not kidding you on being completely honest with you. If that match was not better than the first match, then it's pretty damn close. Again, I'm not going to sit here and be one of those people that's going to say, oh, the second one was way better than the first one. Because let's be honest, Ryan, I'm not sure which match is better. A lot of people think the second match is better, including Dave Meltzer, who rated this match uh, six and a quarter in terms of the stars, uh, the star rating scale. And, of course, he broke the scale by rating uh, the first match six stars. And now he's broken even more with giving the second match six and a quarter. Um, it's but it's. It's just incredible, Ryan, to see that Okada and Omega, because we talked about this match, of course, on on the podcast last week, and we we talked about, we broke it all down, what's going to happen in this match, and I said, is it going to be better than the first match? I highly doubt it, but could it be close? I said yes. Well, it was fantastic, Ryan. It was one of the best matches I've ever seen. Is it the best match between the two? Possibly, but again, I'm not going to debate that. But give him their due I mean what with what Okada and Omega are doing right now in the year 2017 is some of the biggest best things you'll see in wrestling they they are changing the game of professional wrestling they really are. And you can make a case that this is the greatest 60-man match in the history of wrestling. It's right up there with some of the greatest, like Shawn Michaels and and Bret Hart, like Triple H and The Rock. There have been so many great uh, 60-minute matches in the history of wrestling. But this one is right up there with it, if not the greatest. And it's just amazing, Ryan, that to see this second match live up to the first match. Because, again, it's rare to see rematches live up to the first match, All Right. There have been some that have done that, but there have been many that have not. And I thought this was going to be one of those matches where it's going to be really, really good, but do I see it matching up with the first one? No, I don't because how could they even uh, do that, Ryan? When they put out so much on the line in the first match and they did so much in that match, you just had to sit there and say, how are they going to even match up to the second match? They did so much. What could they do? new in the second match and to the credit of Kenny Omega and Okada and to New Japan Pro Wrestling they found a way to make this match just as good as the first one if not better and that is just absolutely astonishing to me to see them come close or topping the first match again it, it had to have been the most intense wrestling match in the history of the biz- in, in the history of wrestling i mean specifically the final 10 to 15 minutes of that match, I was not sitting. I was standing. That's how intense it was. That's how dramatic it was. It was so freaking good, Ryan, that I just had to sit there and say, oh, my God. I, they, they just either, you know, they just matched up with the first match or they just had a better performance than the first match. And it was just absolutely incredible, Ryan. It, it's amazing. You got to give credit where credit's due to Okada and Omega. I love AJ Styles to death. I still, part of me still thinks that he's the best wrestler in the business today, but my goodness, man, Okada and Omega are making a case for themselves that they are better than AJ Styles, all right? I'll say this right now, there's nobody in wrestling today that is having a better year than Okada. This guy cannot have a bad match. Any match he takes part in, it doesn't matter who the opponent is, whether it's Shibata, whether it's Bad Luck Fale. Whether it's Kota Ibushi, whether it's Minoru Suzuki, and whether it's, of course, Kenny Omega 1 versus 2, Okada just can't have a bad match. He is the king of five-star matches this year. It's incredible. And the same goes for Kenny Omega. This guy is showing you why he is for real. And he's showing you why he doesn't have to go to WWE to make a name for himself. Because I always see these fans. Oh, it doesn't matter what Kenny Omega does in Japan. Let's see him succeed in WWE. Look, I'm sorry to say this to you, WWE Marks. But there's nobody in that company that can do what Kenny Omega can do, all right? In that spot with Okada, there's only a select few people that can have a great match with Okada. And Kenny Omega is one of them, if not the best, all right? The chemistry between Okada and Omega is off the charts. Some of the greatest chemistry you'll ever see. Chemistry just as good as Steamboat and Flair. Chemistry just as good as Austin Rock. Just as good as Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker. Just as good as CM Punk and John Cena. Their chemistry is outstanding, and they managed somehow to put together another instant classic, which of course got a corner Meltzer a star, uh, six and a quarter stars, basically. So they topped a corner to Meltzer their first match, but to some they didn't top it. To others they did top it. Again, I'm not gonna sit here and have a huge debate on which match is better. You fans, you guys, you know, you have your opinions. If you think the first match better is better, then that's your opinion. And the same goes for those who think the second match is better. I don't care which is better. Both these matches were classics. And both these matches show you that the business continues to change. And it's changing in a very good way. And guys like Okada, guys like Omega are at the forefront of changing the wrestling business. They are doing so much to make the business so much better and to continue to evolve this business. It's amazing. And you got to get credit where credit is due. These two guys just get it. They understand what it takes to put together an outstanding matchup. And these two guys just know how to work together together. And they constructed another masterpiece this past Sunday. It was one of the greatest matches I've ever seen. Is it better than the first one? Who the hell knows? But who freaking cares? It was an instant classic. A matchup that people are going to be talking about. As well as the first one. To see Kenny Omega and Okada put together two of the greatest matches in the history of this business. Which has been going on for over 50 years is absolutely astonishing and these two guys are making a name for themselves making names for themselves that hey they, they they're going to be the next great wrestlers in this business all right okada to me is having the best year than anybody in this business and kenny omega is not that far behind so ryan we talked about it offline we were talking to each other during this matchup and we both agree it was one of the greatest matches in the history of this business ryan your thoughts on omega okada too
1: I mean, incredible. I mean, you said it best, Brian. It was a masterpiece. I mean, it was one of the most unbelievable spectacles that I've ever seen in pro wrestling. And I've been watching uh, for quite some time myself, too. And I have never, ever been so invested in a wrestling match like I was this past Sunday in this match. I mean, my God. Me and you were talking talking to each other during the whole entire thing, Brian. We were up at 7 a.m. We watched the whole entire thing. We were up at 3 a.m., for God's sake. We were going nuts at 7 a.m. for this match because that's how much emotion it it you know invoked out of both of us. I mean, I'm sitting there biting my fists because of how intense this encounter was. I mean, it had everything. I mean, just when you think they can't possibly top that Wrestle Kingdom match, they did. And in my opinion, they did. Like you said, it could be up for debate. It doesn't really matter which one's better, though. And, and really, it doesn't. When we're sitting here in December talking about the you know top ten matches of the year, one and two have to be those two matches and it doesn't matter what order it is it doesn't matter if you have you know the wrestle kingdom match at number 1 or the wrestle kingdom match number 2 and the dominion match at number 1 it doesn't matter because these two matches were so good that they were so different each in their own different way and i said that too i said these this match has to be different than the wrestle kingdom one or else you know again it could be a disaster but these two have such amazing chemistry like you said brian that they cannot have a bad match i mean it's not possible and like you said, Okada is having the best year that you can possibly have as a pro wrestler. He is on an absolute tear right now. Um, at this rate, I think he may be, you know, the one to win a G1 as the champion at this rate because that's how dominant he has been this year. But my God, I, I just can't say enough about these two. Like you said, you brought up AJ Styles as well, and he's definitely in the discussions for, you know, uh, you know, one of the best wrestlers in the world. But in my opinion, Kenny Omega and and Okada, they literally raised the bar and they're on a totally different level uh, than AJ Styles is right now. You know, I know AJ's, you know, up there in age, but he did do some great things outside of WWE as well. But, I mean, how could you deny that these two are at the absolute best in the world? Like you said, nobody is a better opponent for Okada than Kenny Omega. I mean, he literally gets everything out of Okada like nobody else can. It's, it's just, oh my, it's on. Un- unbelievable, Brian. It's incredible. I was on such a high after that match. Uh, I I watched it again the next day, too. It was just that damn good. You know, I think the first one had a lot of, you know, insane spots where, you know, Omega's doing, you know, that dive, uh, you know, outside over the guardrail where he, you know, goes through the table. They had a couple of spots in that match which were like, oh, my God. But this one was just intense. I mean, really, from counter to counter. Uh, you know the physicality, the the near falls, Cody Rhodes and the, and the Bucks and everybody, the whole Bull Club coming out, and you had some shenanigans outside there. And when the Bull Club came out, I thought Kenny Omega was going to win that. Uh, man, it was just so damn intense. And of course, we all know it went to a sixty-minute time on the draw. Which, again, I'm not really upset about it, but I am a little concerned about uh, the future here. You got to think they have to have at least one more match. I mean, come on, you had you had one match that, you know, Wrestle Kingdom, which was outstanding. This match, which was even better, uh, and again, did not have a clear winner. I think you need to have a third match in this, but I don't know how you give this belt to Kenny Omega. Now, Brian, if you remember when Omega did re-sign with New Japan back in February, I mm-hmm. had doubts that they were going to give this belt to him. I actually predicted, I said, I don't think he's ever going to get the belt because I think he's going to leave after this year is up. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I said this was their one and only chance to give the belt to him, and they didn't. So now I am actually concerned if if he's ever going to become champion. And honestly, if he leaves Japan and and he does not have at least one reign with that belt, it's a failure in my opinion. I mean, it's a big missed opportunity for Gato and New Japan if they don't put the belt on this guy. I mean, what in the world are they waiting for? You could have easily gave this belt to him. At Dominion, you could have had Okada go on and win the G1, and then you could have the rematch at Wrestle Kingdom next year with Okada taking back his belt. I think that would have been absolutely perfect. They didn't go down that route. I'm curious to see what the storyline you know, plans are uh, for the next coming weeks and months leading up to you know, the G1 and everything like that. But, man, I, I can't even be mad at that, that Kenny didn't win because the match was so phenomenal I, I just can't say enough about it i am still in awe i'm trying to find the right words because that's how damn incredible this was it's going to be remembered for years and like you said brian we've been watching for so long this had to be one of the most
0: intense wrestling matches i have ever witnessed in my life i mean i was left speechless when the, when when the clock ended at 60 minutes I was speechless. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know if I was mad because Omega didn't win. I, I don't know if I was mad that we didn't have one winner because let's be honest, you know, we're talking about a match It's so good, but we didn't have a winner. The match ended in 60 minutes, but that's what makes this match so interesting because we didn't have a winner. You would think we were going to have a winner in this match, but we did not, and we don't see that happen often these days to see two guys Go at each other for sixty minutes, and this wasn't an Iron Man match, Sixty minute matches are usually saved with the Iron Man stipulation. No. They went for full sixty minutes. I don't think that's ever happened since CM Punk versus Samoa Joe back in the early days of Ring of Honor. Every other sixty minute match had I think Iron Man rules or something else. I'm not sure. Some sort of stipulation. I think this was the first time that we've seen a normal singles match go the full sixty minutes. Since CM Punk versus Samoa Joe, which many people consider to be the greatest 60-minute match of all time. That was one of the biggest, uh, highest-rated matches in the history of Dave Meltzer's star rating scale. Uh, and I did watch that match, by the way. It's fantastic. Um, but that's so intriguing. But like you said, Ryan, part of me was upset that Omega didn't win. But at the same time, I couldn't be upset that upset with the decision because the match was so freaking good. And, I mean, and again, you know, with that type of booking decision to have this match ended a draw, it creates more intrigue with where this storyline is going because it's a big storyline going, all right? This is the biggest story right now of 2017, this epic rivalry between Kenny Omega and Okada to see who is going to be the next guy to leave—excuse me to lead New Japan Pro Wrestling to the next level. And, of course, that next level is expansion throughout the uh, th- throughout the country. You know, now uh, Japan's going to the United States. They're also having some tours in Australia. Who's going to be the top guy of that company? And as of right now, it's Okada. But still, like you said, Ryan, there has to be a third match. I don't know how, if you're Gato and if you're the hierarchy of New Japan Pro Wrestling, how you don't have a third match. People are anticipating it. And I'm curious to see if they can top The first two matches, because let's be honest, Ryan, to see them even come close or just topping the second match, don't you think they could top the third match too? That's how good these guys are. And the biggest difference is here's my differences between the first and second match, Ryan. I agree with you. The first match had the, the, the more insane spots, if you want to call it. You know, whether it was a dragon suplex from the top rope or the uh, the table spot on the outside where Okada launches Omega and Omega's 10 feet in the air and he lands on the table very badly to some other great spots. That match probably had more effective spots in it. But what I loved about the second match more than the first match, Ryan, it was a better story without a doubt. It had a much better story. And the drama was through the roof. The intensity, the drama was incredible. It was insane. Again, you know, for the first match, I was sitting on the edge of my seat during the final 10 minutes. In this match, I was standing. Because I didn't know what to do. I was freaking out because I didn't know what the hell was going on. And the biggest difference for me, Ryan, than you, you were watching the English commentary. I wasn't. I was watching the Japanese commentary. So in that final 10 minutes... When they're counting down the clock and the ring announcer keeps announcing how much time is left and the fans are going freaking nuts, I'm standing there screaming, how much time is left? I'm texting you. I'm screaming, "What? how much time is left? How, how much time is left in this matchup? I'm freaking out right now because I thought it was either going to end in a draw because I did text you that Ryan and said this match is going to probably end in a draw or it was going to end at the one second or two second mark because I've heard that's happened before in wrestling matches and maybe it could have happened in this match. But... As the match moved on and it got later and later, you just sensed that it was going to be a draw. And again, part of me was not all that thrilled about it. But at the same time, I can't be that upset with the decision because of how good the match was. And we're going to break down the key spots. I want to let Ryan give his final take before we really dive into this matchup. Because the spots in this match were unfreaking believable. Whether it was the physical spots, the mental spots, the Bullet Club involvement, some other crazy spots... This match had so much to remember for, and it opened the door for new storylines. So, but again, if you guys want to debate which match is better, go right ahead. I'm not gonna be that person because both matches deserve their due. Both these matches are going to are, are the two best matches of 2017, and two of the greatest matches in the history of professional wrestling. And again, I said it: this business has been going on for over 50 years. There's been icons throughout the wrestling world and they can't even sit there and say that they've had a better match than Okada and Omega. These two guys are changing the game. They are raising the bar like you can never think of before. To see these guys, you know, you had that classic at Wrestle Kingdom. We all thought that was never going to be topped. And again, they come in with the second match, and not only did it almost top it, or it did top it, but it, it lived up to the first match, which I think is even more insane, because I didn't think they had the... You know, they had the talent enough to even match up with the first one. And they did that. It was just absolutely incredible. I couldn't fall asleep after because I was just in shock and, and just in amazement of how great that match was. And everybody is saying, now again, how great this match was. People say it's the greatest match of all time. Dave Meltzer thinks it's better than the first one. And he has his opinion, of course. But the match was so freaking good, Ryan. It's just amazing to see... What Okada, what Omega are able to do. What they are able to go through. I mean, again, 60 minutes. That's a long freaking time to have a wrestling match. And these two guys did a lot. A lot to each other. A lot of punishment to each other. And it's amazing that when the match kept going on and on and on, the better it got, the more dramatic it got. It's just incredible stuff. If you have not checked it out, what the hell are you doing? Alright, if you don't have a NewJapanWorld.com account, alright, I'm here to save you. The match is on YouTube, alright? The match is so good, it's on YouTube. So if you don't have a NewJapanWorld.com account, go on YouTube, type in Okada Omega, it will be up there. Watch it, check it out. It's an absolute masterpiece. And again, it's one of the greatest matches in the history of the business. And I am very interested to see, Ryan, if... New Japan Pro Wrestling will put together a third matchup because I think they got it. I'm not sure how you don't have a third matchup. This story is so good. It's so strong that we need to see one more more match before Kenny Omega leaves Japan. Because I am convinced, Ryan, that he will be leaving Japan by next uh, winter. I really believe that. When 2018 comes and his contract is up, I don't see him signing. People think he's never going to go to WWE again. AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura proved that anything can happen. Never say never when it comes to talents leaving for the WWE. Because guys like Nakamura and AJ Styles, nobody thought they would ever go to WWE. Especially Nakamura because he was a lifer in New Japan Pro Wrestling. He was the face of that company. Along with Okada and Tanahashi. And he left to try his hand in the WWE. Never say never. And if Kenny Omega is going to leave the company, then we need to see one more match between him and Okada. When's it going to happen? Who knows? Is it going to happen? I'm not sold if it's going to happen because we don't know what Gato and what New Japan is thinking. We knew there was going to be a second match, but is there going to be a third match? I'm not so sure. But right now, that's a conversation safe for later. Let's just talk about this matchup. And again, people, one of the greatest matches in the history of this business. If you have not checked it out, please do whether on your newjapanworld.com account or on YouTube, check it out. You will not be disappointed.
1: Yeah, no, definitely not. It's definitely worth the time. You know, again, I know a lot of people probably don't have the time, you know, to really sit down and watch a 60-minute wrestling match with no winner. I understand that, but, uh, you know, it's definitely worth your time if you do get a chance to check it out, even if you see bits and pieces here and there. And, uh, you know, we watch the whole thing, like, you know, uh, separated, like, in different pieces – it's still worth your time. It's unbelievable what those two guys did. It's basically like watching a movie and it ending in a cliffhanger. I mean, that's basically what it was because like you said, Brian, as the match went on, it got more and more dramatic and more intense. And, you know, it's funny, you were watching in the uh, Japanese commentary, I was watching the English commentary because I do love hearing uh, Kevin Kelly and Don Callis. They do a great job over there for the English, uh, English side on New Japan World. So I was watching them and, you know, like you said, as you could tell, As the match went on, and you know, you know, they're saying how much time is left, and then Kevin Kelly, you know, was translating it, but you had no idea, and you can hear the crowd just like going nuts, like as as it goes on, as they keep counting down. Uh, So that that must have been even more intense for you, Brian. But I knew how much time was left, and. There was there came a point where you know I said to myself too I was like this is gonna probably end in a draw and then you texted me that Brian and then my friend Scott actually said it too uh, that he thinks it's gonna end in a draw and I was like yeah you guys are right I, I think you guys are really onto something because just the way things were going it just seemed like there wasn't gonna be a winner here and that's exactly why I think they got to do a third match if Okada would won this match I say no third match but it nobody won. I mean, even if Omega won, I think you still do a third match. Uh, I mean, how could you not at this point? I just don't see how this match is not the main event for next year's Wrestle Kingdom. They did it two years in a row with um, Tanahashi and Okada. They can easily do it with Omega and Okada. I mean, with how much buzz it generated, I bet you a lot of people will travel to Tokyo, Japan next year, to the Tokyo Dome, if you know we know that this is going to be the main event. Uh, just say, you know, like, oh, Okada wins the G1 as champion. Then he could always challenge... Okada uh, Omega, again, he could basically say, you know, I couldn't beat you, you know, the second time around. I need to beat you again uh, to prove I'm the best in the world or whatever. You're the only one to push me to my limits, so let's have a third match. I think it could go something like that. But like you said, I'm so intrigued to see what happens next. Um, I know Cody's getting, his next, uh, getting the next shot at the IWGP Heavyweight title at uh, Long Beach shows for the G1 special, which is kind of cool. Uh, I mean, that's another thing, too. If Cody is the one to beat Okada, which I'm hearing rumors that, you know, oh, Cody can be the one and then it could set up some tension in the Bullet Club. No, 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 no. Because if Cody wins, that is a huge mistake. That is not the guy that should dethrone Okada. Okada's on a huge reign right now. He's, He's over like 365 days, I think, right now. He is on a freaking tear. You do not have Cody Rhodes, a guy, to no offense to Cody, I'm a fan of Cody, but a guy who has done nothing in New Japan to earn a title shot. You do not have him beat Okada. I will be rooting hard for Okada to win that match because I still do want this rematch, and I want Kenny Omega to be the one to take this belt, so... Like you said, Brian, I mean, what more could you possibly say? It was you know, a spectacle. It was amazing. It was fantastic. And I can't wait. If it's going to be a third match, I cannot wait for it. So, uh, really, there's nothing more left to be said. Yeah, I'm just speechless at this point.
0: And what made this match so great were the memorable spots. And there is a list of spots when you look back at this match. You just have to sit there and say, holy shit, how did they do that? The first spot that stood out to me, Ryan, was the... Um, the moonsault, the springboard moonsault that uh, that Omega hit on the outside to Okada. What was so amazing about that is, is just the ability of how Omega kept his balance. Because when you watch the replay, he almost fell. You know, when he was going to springboard off of the top rope, he almost literally slipped. And if he did slip, that would have been a very, very bad landing for him. And he could have gone really hurt. But to see Omega managed to balance himself. He was on that top rope for a good three seconds. And he still managed to jump off the ropes with so much power and velocity. And he landed this incredible moonsault. I was just sitting there like, holy shit. How in the hell did he do that? How did he keep his balance and still hit an incredible moonsault? That was number one. Number two was the table spot. Uh, Even though the table did not break to the ability it should have been broken, it was still a great spot. Okada puts Omega on the table. He jumps off the top rope on the outside. Bam, elbow drop to the chest. Bad landing for Okada, too. If the table would have broken a lot better, it would have been a better spot. And I, I'm not a fan of the New Japan tables. I mean, that you know, the, the frame of it just is so strong that it's like almost impossible to break. The table only broke in the middle. The wood part did, but not the frame. If the frame would have broken, it would have been a better spot. But still, a great spot nonetheless. Uh, Another spot that comes to mind was the one where Okada's running the ropes. He's about to do this dropkick, and Omega catches him in air, and he does a sit-out powerbomb. Amazing how Omega managed to to really catch Okada in midair and still hit a very strong powerbomb. But then things got so good when Cody Rhodes and the Bullet Club came out. When Cody Rhodes is running down the ramp, I'm like, all right, what the hell is he doing? I'm not sure what he's doing. Maybe he's going to interfere in the matchup. But then I see he has a towel in his hand. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, don't you even dare, Cody. Don't you even dare throw that towel in the freaking ring. And thank God for the Young Bucks, they did not let him do it. But Ryan, when you saw that moment, that adds to the drama. To see Cody Rhodes come out with a towel in his hand, scream at the Young Bucks, look at him. He's he doesn't have it anymore. That adds to the storyline. That adds to the drama. That's tremendous storytelling. And that's you know, that's Bob Backlin-esque. You know, when Bob Backlund lost his championship to the Iron Sheik, Arnold Scollin, who was Backlund's manager, he threw in the towel. And that could have happened here with Rhodes and Omega, but the Young Bucks said, No, 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 he's good he's good to go. Don't throw the towel in. Next thing you know, here comes Omega with this incredible comeback, throwing all these freaking vicious knees, about to hit another knee, and then here comes Okada with a freaking dropkick. And I'll say this right now. There is nobody in this com- in this business that has a better dropkick than Okada, and he proved that in this matchup. That was incredible. The... The constant rainmakers that Okada was hitting were incredible. And Omega continuing to kick out and kick out and not let the the pinfall go to three. And then Omega finally, for the first time, hits the one-wing angel. And I thought he was going to win, Ryan. When he hit that one-wing angel, I was convinced he won. One, two, guess what happens? Okada puts his foot on the ropes. That's when I jumped out of my seat. I was like, oh, my God. Like, it, you just don't see that. That's what makes this match. You just don't see that type of stuff. He hits the wing, wing angel. Part of me thinks that he's going to win the match. The other part thinks to me that O'Connor's going to kick out. No, he didn't either. He put his foot on the rope. And the place was going freaking crazy because they all thought Omega was going to win that match. And then, to me, Ryan – the most memorable spot in this match and one of the most memorable spots I think in the history of pro wrestling I'm not overreacting when when Okada's got Omega he's holding his arm he's about to deliver the Rainmaker the moment they're about to collide Omega collapses out of pure exhaustion pure fatigue he he, he collapses Okada misses the Rainmaker and he goes flying and he collapses out of pure exhaustion That's storytelling. That's drama. That's intensity. I have never seen anything like like that ever in the history of this business. I have never seen anything like that happen. To see a guy basically counter a finishing move by not doing anything, just collapsing to the floor out of pure fatigue and tiredness. Incredible spot. And then, of course, the final spot where Okada hits the Rainmaker. The, the Japanese uh, ring announcers, you know, counting down the seconds. Okada's crawling his body, doing everything he can to try to pin Omega. And then the clock runs out and it ends in a draw. Again, I, I, I'll I say it again. There there has never been a more intense wrestling match in the history of this business than that one. That Those final 10 to 15 minutes were the most intense minutes in a wrestling match ever. It was so freaking intense. And for me personally, because... I'm listening to the Japanese um, uh, the Japanese announce team. And you want to know why I'm, uh, I'm listening to the Japanese announce team over the American announce team? Again, no disrespect to uh, Don Callis and uh, Kevin Kelly. I think those guys are great. And I did watch the match with their commentary a couple of days later. But for some reason, even though I can't understand what these guys are saying... Their commentary, their way of reacting to a move or something else is so freaking good. You know, you don't you don't know what they're saying, but they have so much energy. They have so much excitement. Like, you don't know what they're saying, but you're, like, you're so excited. Like, oh my god, what the heck is going on? And to hear the guy counting down the, the minutes and you don't understand the Japanese fans, I don't know what, how much time it is left because, you know, again, you know, I'm not listening to the English commentary, so here, you know, the clock ticking down, I'm like, holy shit, how much time is left? And and it, it, it even adds more drama, Ryan, for myself. It added more drama. So, again, the spots in this match were just so freaking good. I thought the first match, they executed their spots with more effort. And, and they hit their spots perfectly. Not saying this match didn't. I will say this though, Ryan. The only part of the match that I did not like, and I touched on this last week, when we broke down the Will Ospreay-Kishida uh, match in the best of the Super Junior Final, uh, early in the match, Omega was working on the leg of Okada. He was. He was doing a great job on it. Okada was selling it very, very well. But then when Omega started to focus on other body parts, the leg was fine. And that's something that I just don't like in the business today. You know, when somebody's working on a body part and you're, in, and you're hurt and you're acting like you're hurt, you gotta continue to sell that throughout the match, no matter what spot you do. You always gotta go back to that leg, and Okada did not do that as the match went on, and Omega was not focusing on the leg. Okada's leg was perfectly fine, and I, that and that's just stuff that irritates me in this business. But again, that was the only thing in the match that I did not like. But for the rest of it, it was just a masterpiece, and a big reason why it was a masterpiece because the drama, the intensity. And the storytelling was so freaking good. And again, the amount of stories they came out of this match, and the and the stories they could tell coming from this match are through the roof. Whether it's the Cody Rhodes storyline or Omega Kata three or something else, New Japan Pro Wrestling has the opportunity to tell even more stories just coming from this match alone. The spots in it, you know, the other stuff that happened. It was just incredible stuff. Again, Ryan, there's nothing else I could say, but. Any spots, Ryan, that stood out to you in that matchup other than the spots I named or that that's pretty much it? Uh, Your thoughts, Ryan? Yeah, no, you
1: basically named all of them. I mean, uh, you know, how could you, you know, uh, not talk about the moonsault, which Kenny Omega almost fell. He almost lost his balance, got scared there for a second, but he picked himself up nicely and had one hell of a moonsault. I mean, the amount of air he got on that was just absolutely incredible. Just goes to show how versatile uh, Kenny Omega is, like I said, best in the world right there. The one-winged angel, like you said, where, uh, you know, Okada put his foot on the rope at the last second, you know, that was some move that Kenny could not hit on him uh, at the Wrestle Kingdom match, and he finally got a chance to hit it, uh, you know, in this match, but unfortunately too close to the ropes, and at the last second, Okada gets his foot on there, and uh, Red Shoes notices it, uh, you know, at the very last second, I mean, so freaking intense, Uh, it was just, that was an awesome spot, like you said the table spot which didn't break fully but uh you know the middle of it kind of broke where like you know where uh Okada hit Omega with the elbow it's kind of like where he like went through it a little bit like you said the frame didn't really break but the middle of it did the tables are really weird in japan uh that's just the way they're built uh so but i mean you know for 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 what it was it was a great spot you can't really fault them you know for the table not completely breaking like you said it's hard to do it's a stronger table than we see you know in the ones in wwe so it's different but it still uh worked in in that situation right there Uh, And then the spot where, like you said, Okada goes for the Rainmaker, and Omega just basically collapses. I I mean, I didn't notice it at first. When it first happened, I I thought like literally like he he just ducked and it it looked that good. But when they showed the replay, and he just collapses out of just exhaustion. I mean, what an incredible looking spot. I mean, I've never seen anything like that. If that wasn't dramatic enough for you, I mean, I don't know what else will be. I mean, that was just absolutely fantastic. And then, like you said, the constant V-trigger knees from Kenny Omega, which he does best. That's his signature move, basically, right there. You know once he hits that, he's going to set up for the big-time move, which is the one-winged angel. And then, uh, you know, when he did that, and then he, he goes from the rope on the other side, and then Okada hits him with a drop take out of nowhere. Just, oh, my God. I mean, I, you know, Matt Jackson, Nick Jackson, uh, Cody, everybody on the outside of the ring, the whole Bullet Club, they were just going nuts. I mean, I think Matt even, like, jumped up. He was like, oh, my God. Like, it was that intense. And it got so much emotion out of you it was just unbelievable and like you said you know, okada not selling the leg after basically kenny from the first part, portion of the match was working on that the entire time and then it's basically fine you know as we get on you know later part of the match that's another thing that you know it's 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 a huge debate now uh you know again that's something that can happen and it does happen, and that's what gets a lot of criticism from the veterans, such as you know, Randy Orton and other guys who have criticized his business, uh, such as Vader and all that stuff, like that. So, that's basically the heat on Indie Wrestling or on any other company, not WWE. So, that's just something that you know, again, you can't really fault Okada for because I mean, how could you say anything bad about him? But, uh, yeah, that's just uh, something right there that you don't want to see when you watch wrestling. All right, We know it's scripted. We know what's supposed to happen. But uh, you have to make it look as real as possible. And that, to me, is just not doing it. Also, too, I don't know if you agree with this, Brian, but towards the end when Okada's the one crawling to Omega as the time is running out uh, to pin him, I would have done that differently. I would have had Omega try and crawl towards Okada to try and get that cover because Omega was the one that couldn't beat him in the previous match. So that just would have made it all more dramatic that, you know, okay, now Omega's the one trying to finally win. He's trying to finally win the title, and then he runs out of time. I would have had Omega crawling to Okada instead of Okada crawling to Omega. That's just me, though. I don't want to be too nitpicky because of how good this match was. uh, But that is also one thing I would change. I don't know if you would agree. I mean, in in, in a way, it does make sense that Okada was the one that was trying to beat Omega again, too Uh, because then that could be, you know, how that sets up the rematch. Be like, all right, I I was crawling to the cover. I couldn't get there in time, but I want to prove to myself that I could beat you again, and then there you go. But I just would have done it differently. Instead, I would have had Omega crawling. They didn't do that. But again, it's hard to really fault anything. Uh, You know, it's hard to really nitpick anything from these two guys because they just put on an absolute classic that you have to appreciate. So, uh, yeah, it was just tremendous. There's nothing more left to say about it.
0: Yeah, I, I hate nitpicking matches like this. I mean, look, there's never going to be a perfect match, no matter how great these two matches were between Okada and Omega. And they again, they can go down as two of the greatest matches in the history of the business. There's no such thing as a perfect match. There's going to be some, th- some part of the match where you just got to sit there and say, well, that didn't work out well. And that was true in this match with the whole Okada-Omega, you know, no selling the leg injury was a problem that I did not like. And in terms of the final spot where Okada was uh, crawling to the cover, would I have done Omega? Yeah, I would have, but I don't think it's that big of a deal because, I think, like you said, Ryan, you can tell a story where Okada... You know, had his opportunity to finally end this. He didn't. He didn't beat Omega in the second match. He wants another opportunity to beat Omega so you can put him out for good. But they could have done Omega as well. You know, Omega, his quest to become champion was so close. He failed because the time failed on him. So it, it doesn't matter. It works both ways. But again, the match was so freaking good. Check it out if you haven't yet. And we've spent, we've, we've spent right now, guys, 43 minutes on this match where we got to talk about the rest of the card. Because the rest of the card... Was just as good as this match. Uh, first and foremost, Tanahashi versus Naito for the Intercontinental Championship. Fantastic. I mean, was again, was it better than the first one from Wrestle Kingdom 11? Again, I'm not going to debate it. It was just as great. Uh, Tanahashi winning the belt. No shocker that right there. Again, I just think it's time for Naito to move on for a different challenge, whether that's becoming uh, the first-ever IWGP U.S. champion, which he will be taking part of in that tournament when the G1 special happens in July, or going back in the main event picture and challenging for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship is the best move for him to go forward. Tanahashi's Intercontinental Champion, does it excite me? Not that much. I'm not the biggest fan of Tanahashi, but... He is retiring. I guess they want to give him one more run as champion before he lays, that before he hangs up the boots. Great match nonetheless. Uh, Kushida versus Takahashi. Tremendous, awesome match. Uh, again, the decision, no surprise. Kushida was going to win that match. We all knew that. There was no way that they're going to tell this story of Kushida getting his revenge on Takahashi after the embarrassment that happened at Sakura Genesis where Takahashi just obliterated uh, Kushida in under two minutes. And you have Kushida come back with this revenge plot where he's going to win best of the Super Juniors. And then he's going to get his rematch. There was no way they were not going to have Kushida lose that match. He was going to win that match. A little bit surprised, though, that he won the match with the hoverboard lock than he did with the Back to the Future finisher. That's his new finisher. He's been putting away wrestlers with that move uh, ever since it was introduced to him. Uh, He's beating Will Ospreay for that move. He beat Marty Skrull for that move. I thought he was going to win the match with that move. But instead, he made Takahashi tap out to the hoverboard lock doesn't matter what the finish was great match and big congrats again to Kashida on becoming the champion um the Young Bucks becoming IWGP junior heavyweight tag champions again no surprise there their match I will tell you this their match at the menu was better than the Wrestle Kingdom match it had more time there was better action Uh, The Young Bucks, again, you know, there's no better tag team on this planet Earth than the Young Bucks. You cannot argue that. I'm sorry, people. There's no better tag team than the Young Bucks. Just deal with it. And they're the champions again, so good for them. Uh, A little bit surprised that uh, War Machine lost their tag titles to uh, G.O.D. The match was okay. It wasn't anything special. It was physical. That was not a surprise, but... You know, the Grills of Destiny are a solid tag team. they now three-time uh, IWGP heavyweight tag team champions. And I guess War Machine not being fully committed to New Japan made it played a part in the decision. You know, G.O.D. does more appearances in Japan than War Machine does. War Machine does so much stuff throughout the entire wrestling world. So uh, that probably played a part. But anyways, solid match. And big congrats to G.O.D. Uh, Suzuki and Goto, to me, was the most disappointing match on the show. For the simple reason... They did not utilize the stipulation to the best of their ability. The stipulation was simple. It was a lumberjack deathmatch. We saw the lumberjack part, but where was the deathmatch? When you think of deathmatch, Ryan, what do you think of? You think of hardcore stuff. You think of hardcore weapons. You think of guys hitting each other with chairs, going around the entire building, destroying each other. We didn't get that. It was a lumberjack match, and the lumberjacks, of course, were Suzuki-gun members and Chaos members. They're fighting each other the entire time. You know, part of me was focusing more on their fights on the outside than the match itself in the ring between Goto and Suzuki. Uh, Suzuki winning, no surprise. I think he's going to be champion for a little while. But uh, it was, I guess, okay. But when you have a match that's called a lumberjack death match, fans are expecting a death match. If it was not going to be a death match from the beginning, just call a lumberjack match. Don't get fans excited by having this stipulation called a death match because fans like myself were anticipating a death match and we did not get that. So, but anyways, Suzuki still the champion. Uh, L.I.J. successfully retained their six man tag team tiles. A little bit surprised about that, but it was a good match, very fast paced. Uh, Good, though, for Sonata, Bushi, and Evil as they're still the champions. Only members of L.I.J. to retain their titles. And uh, finally, Cody Rhodes versus Michael Elgin. Very good match for what it was. Cody winning to me was no surprise. You you can just tell that New Japan is going to give Cody Rhodes now a big opportunity. He's getting it right now at the G1 Special in July. He's facing Okada for that championship. So overall, I mean, we talk about how great Omega Okada was. And it was fantastic and one of the best matches of all time. The show itself was fantastic as well. Again, the matches were great. And that's what makes New Japan Pro Wrestling so fun to watch. You know, and this is why I love about them more than WWE. You know, even though WWE is always gonna be number one, I don't think they put better matches than New Japan. And they and they don't tell better stories than New Japan, alright? That's what makes New Japan so great. Their matches are so freaking good, their talent are very good, and they tell great stories in every single match, alright? Again, in terms of marketing reasons and expansion WWE is always going to be number one, but I think there's no better company in the world today that puts on better matches, better shows, and tells better storylines than New Japan Pro Wrestling. And that was on full display this past Sunday with Dominion. Fantastic show. If you want to watch the entire show again, guys, go on NewJapanWorld.com, get an account, subscribe to it, $9.99 a month, just like the WWE Network. It's worth it, all right? I love watching it. Again, I woke up early. I hate doing that sometimes because I love my sleep, but I did it for a good reason, to watch this show, and the show absolutely delivered. One of the best shows of the year, hands down, and it put together some of the best matches of the year. So, Ryan, your final thoughts on Dominion?
1: Yeah, like one of the best shows I've ever seen, and that's no exaggeration. Like you said, Brian, uh, New Japan is by far, the best wrestling company in the world. And I mean, like, pure wrestling. It's not, like you said, WWE is always going to be number one because of the marketing and the expansion and everything like that. But in terms of wrestling and the style of wrestling that New Japan puts on, I mean, there's no company that tops that. Some of the best matches that I've ever seen have been in New Japan. And that says something right there. So it's just an amazing company that continues to grow. Future looks bright for them. And uh, they always, always deliver. Like you said, you don't mind know if it's a good reason and this was definitely a good enough reason to get up at 3 a.m watch this show and sacrifice a couple of hours of sleep because it was well worth it so yeah the rest of the card like you said you basically broke it down and uh i think uh tanahashi and uh naito was a very good match uh it wasn't better than wrestle kingdom like you said again not going to debate this uh Again, it was very, very good. No surprise that Tanahashi walked out with a victory. I am surprised that he got Naito to tap out. I do like that, though, a little bit. Basically, it looked like Naito just couldn't take any more. And I like the the little tap. You know, it wasn't like a a typical tap out like you see in the WWE where they go nuts with their hand. He basically just kind of just, like, did it very slowly. Kind of looked like he didn't want to, but he had no choice. I like that. That was a good touch. Like you said, Tanahashi looks like he's coming towards, uh, you know, Come towards the end of his career here, you might as well give him one more run with this belt. Naito can go ahead and do bigger and better things. I heard, you know, he could possibly win the G1. He'll do great things no matter what. He's become such a huge star. I'm just, I'm not worried about his future whatsoever. Uh, Kushida and uh, Hiromu Takahashi, I think, was the second best match on the card. I mean, the spots in that match were crazy. Uh, it was just unbelievable, fast-paced. You know how good those two guys are, so it really shouldn't come as a surprise. It definitely didn't into me, uh, and definitely no surprise with Kushida picking up the win. So now he is Ring of Honor television champ, and he is the uh, junior heavyweight champion. Once again, hopefully Hiromu Takahashi can continue to stay in the spotlight and do something uh, you know, bigger and better like Naito will. So that was also very good. Uh, Young Bucks or Punky Vice? What more can you say about those two guys? I think they know each other better than anybody. They've wrestled each other like a thousand freaking times, uh, and each match is outstanding. Like you said, Brian, they definitely got more time than the uh, Wrestle Kingdom match, so I thought this match was a lot better. Uh, the Bucks becoming six-time IWGP Junior Tag Team champs to Michael Jordan, as they like to call it, of pro wrestling, so good for them. That means more Bucks in New Japan, and that's definitely not a bad thing. Uh, War Machine and G.O.D. was also very good. But like you said, Brian, I was very surprised as well to see War Machine drop the belts. I guess, like you said, though, it makes sense. They're not fully committed. They're not fully signed to New Japan like G.O.D. is. Uh, so they, that's probably the reason why they dropped those belts. But they had a nice little run with it, so you really can't complain. Um, LIJ retaining the six-man tag team belts. Um very good match very fast like you said i mean they got through that gauntlet very very quickly it did not drag uh i liked it a lot if that was one of the funnest uh very fun matches on the show cody and elgin that was very good as well uh i actually picked michael elgin to come out on top but looks like new japan's gonna keep pushing cody Rhodes, and obviously like i mentioned before he's getting that shot at okada at the g1 special so i guess it makes sense it was an okay match again you know, you know what you're getting with both of those guys. Michael Elgin has not really done anything since coming back from injury, so maybe he'll, uh, you know, get the ball rolling sometime in the future. And like you said, I think Minoru Suzuki and Hiroki Goto was one of the biggest disappointments, basically because of the false advertising of the death match that was not hardcore in in any way. I mean, uh, again, they went into the crowd a little bit, but there was not a death match. If you, you know, obviously, we've been watching long enough, and I'm sure everybody listening has been watching long enough to know what a death match is, and this definitely was not that. Uh, It was just basically a lumberjack match, you know, with Suzuki gun and Chaos, uh, you know, on both sides getting involved on the outside of the ring and ended up fighting each other. That's basically all it was, but uh, Suzuki returned, belt and we'll see what he does moving forward so yeah i mean overall brian i thought this was one of the best shows i have ever watched really i mean uh like you said every time new japan is on it delivers every time they have a big event like this you look forward to it because you know you're going to see a tremendous show all around everybody puts on uh, a huge effort uh and, and it shows you know it's greatly appreciated uh, by me and by you and everybody else that stayed up all night to
0: watch so Uh, Just another great show from New Japan Pro Wrestling. I look forward to the next one. All right, and of course, the big show, the next one for New Japan Pro Wrestling, is on July 1st and July 2nd. It is the G1 special. New Japan, for the first time, is holding a show in the United States, Long Beach, California, to be specific. Um, And of course, going on that weekend uh, is, of course, Omega versus, excuse me, uh, Cody Rhodes versus Okada for the IWGP uh, Heavyweight Championship. Billy Gunn challenging Hiroshi Tanahashi for the uh, Intercontinental Championship. The Young Bucks are taking on Roppongi Vice yet again for the tag team titles. Uh, I think War Machine is getting a second opportunity versus G.O.D. But the biggest thing going on that weekend, other than Okada and and Rhodes, is the the IWGP United States Championship Tournament. We're going to crown a first-ever U.S. champion in New Japan Pro Wrestling that weekend. And they have just revealed... The eight participants that are going to be in this tournament, it's a two-night tournament where the quarterfinals will be on July 1st, and then the semifinals and the finals will take place on July 2nd. Um, So here are the matches. We have Jay Lethal taking on uh, Adam Hangman Page. Kenny Omega is in this tournament. He'll face Michael Elgin. Tomohiro Ishii will take on Tetsuya Naito and Juice Robinson against Zack Sabre Jr. So first and foremost, congratulations, Zack Sabre Jr., to be in this tournament. And, of course, we're going to make these predictions when we get closer to the show. Uh, Who is the favorite right now to win this tournament? I'm not so sure. It's an absolute toss-up. The only thing that I am convinced of, Ryan, is that we're not going to see a Japan-born wrestler Win this belt, so that says that Ishii and Naito, the only two guys that are Japanese born, are in this tournament. They're not going to win this belt. Uh, guys I would keep an eye on are Adam Hangman Page and Juice Robinson. We could see a surprise here. There's been there's been a lot of buzz about Hangman Page as of late. He's doing a lot more shows in Japan. If he wins the belt, it would not surprise me. Uh, Juice Robinson as well. He's over in Japan. He's getting a lot more opportunities. He could win this belt, but. You can also go the safe route. Jay Lethal should be a favorite. Of course, Kenny Omega and Michael Elgin should be favorites. One of them is going to be gone by the end of the first round. But whoever wins that match should be a favorite. And so is Zack Sabre Jr. Why not? You know, make a Zacky four belts. But uh, it should be an interesting tournament. And the show itself that weekend is very interesting. Again, Cody Rhodes versus uh, Okada for the belt. In terms of him beating Okada for the belt... I mean, you don't like the storyline, Ryan, where if Rhodes does beat Okada. It could lead to dissension within the faction. I don't mind it. I mean, it would be interesting. Would I like it if Rhodes wins? No, because I'm on your side, Ryan. I just think that if there's anybody in that company that makes the absolute most sense to beating Okada for that belt, and the only one that should do it is Omega. But if they did, if they do roll with the story with Rhodes winning the belt, shocking the world, and that leads to dissension within the ball club, I will be interested because, again, I'm a wrestling fan that loves great wrestling, but I'm also a person that wants to see good storytelling. And I definitely think if they give the belt to Rhodes, that would, that would lead to some tremendous interesting storytelling between Kenny Omega and Cody Rhodes. But do I think it's going to happen? No, because Cody Rhodes is not fully committed to New Japan Pro Wrestling. He does more stuff. Out of the company and that belt is going to be on guys that are going to be fully committed to the company like Okada, like Naito, like Tanahashi, etc. So Cody Rhodes is going to have a great match with Okada, no doubt about it. But do I see him winning the belt? I just don't because Rhodes is not fully committed to the company. I think Cody has a better shot at becoming Ring of Honor champion at best in the world when he faces Christopher Daniels than he does becoming IWGP Heavyweight Champion beating Okada. And in terms of Billy Gunn facing Tanahashi, people don't like it. So what? You know, Billy Gunn, yes, I get it. You know, he's 48 years old. He's had his great days. But does it really matter? It doesn't matter. All right, Billy Gunn can still wrestle. Tanahashi could work well with him. Should be a solid match. I mean, again, you can pick any other guy to be in this matchup, but they wanted Billy Gunn. Maybe they wanted some name appeal. Maybe they want to draw for the American fan base. I'm not so sure, but I'm not going to make it into a big deal. So, again, July 1st, July 2nd, the G1 special, two-night event. Uh, Some big things going on that weekend, including, of course, the first-ever IWGP United States Championship Tournament. Who's going to win that tournament? We'll find out. We'll give our predictions on that when we get closer to the show. And we'll give our predictions for the rest of the card. Okada-Rhodes. Tanahashi, Billy Gunn, Bucks versus uh, Roppongi Vice should be another great show for New Japan Pro Wrestling, and of course, this one is going to be a special one. Night one of this show will be live on Access Television, and it, it is commercial free. That is the biggest announcement that we have for you right now. They just announced that it is commercial free, so enjoy it. Should be a fun show. So, Ryan, your thoughts on the G1 special coming up?
1: Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, you know, great cards, great matches. Uh, all around, you know, the first night's going to be absolutely nuts. The second night will depend on what happens in the first night. Again, the uh, like you said, the U.S. Uh, you know championship tournament. Elgin and uh, Kenny Omega, Ishi and Naito, Co Cotter fighting for the IWGP belt. Uh, Zach Saber Jr. and Juice Robinson, um, Jay Lethal, Hangman Page. I think it's awesome. I think it sets up a whole bunch of different opportunities. I have a couple of guys in that you know uh, mix that I think could possibly win. Uh, I'd be to see if they give it to actually, you know, an American star or if they actually do give it to somebody like Naito. Uh, I think it should be an American star first off, uh, you know, to kick it off to ha- have the first championship reign, especially winning it in, uh, in Los Angeles in, in the States. I think that would make, make perfect sense. The rest is basically, you know, rematches, but they're good matches. You know, of course, you've got the Bucks for Pony Vice again, like you mentioned. Uh, you know, G.O.D. War Machine again. Uh, like you said, Tanahashi and Billy Gunn, which is a little strange. You know, not, not really a match you thought you'd be getting. But, again, I mean, you really can't complain. You know, again, New Japan puts out some of the best cards around. They always deliver in a big-time way. It's really hard to criticize anything they do. I mean, it really is. I'm not trying to be biased, but um, I, I really do feel like they will deliver in a big, big way. They'll knock it out of the park. And this is going to be a big one because I think whatever depends on this, I mean, how well this goes, the first show in the States, I think this sets up uh, a tremendous amount of possibilities to possibly come to New York and other places around the world too, because I think people are dying to see New Japan Pro Wrestling. I know, you know, sometimes the stars come to Ring of Honor and we get to see them there, but that's not the same as it would be if it's an actual New Japan event. And uh, like you mentioned, the first night is on Access TV. So unless you don't have Access TV, you're really got no excuse. But to, to watch it So uh, it's going to be commercial free It's going to be I think 3 hours like it said Or 3 or 4 hours something like that uh, And it's going to be a tremendous stacked night So uh, definitely check it out That's
0: the big ones coming up so I'm looking forward to it Absolutely so there you go guys Great New Japan talk And now we gotta shift the focus back to the WWE We are now in hour number 2 again guys If you want to follow us on social media Go right ahead Follow us on Twitter at Royal Ramble IyR Like us on Facebook uh, Facebook.com/RoyalRambleWrestling. slash Royal Ramble Wrestling. Also, give us a follow on the Instagram. We're very active there at RoyalRambleWrestling. Again, if you happen to miss us live on It'sYourRadio.com, you guys can follow. Uh, you guys can subscribe to us. Excuse me, on iTunes and Stitcher. Our episodes usually are uploaded to those websites the next day, so expect our episode. This episode be up on iTunes and Stitcher around tomorrow afternoon. Uh, I want to say something right now, Ryan, before we get into the WWE talk. I know a lot of you guys were expecting uh, an interview to come out between uh, us and uh, Brittany Nicole, the ring announcer, up-and-coming ring announcer. But in terms of um, in uh, communication issues, uh, scheduling issues, we could not get the interview done. Uh, we tried to get her on. She did not answer us. I'm not happy about that. She just did not communicate with us. She said she was going to do it didn't do it, so we're not gonna have that interview whatsoever. We're just gonna move on, maybe get another interview some with some other performer uh, down the road. But that's all if you guys were curious about that, I know Brittany Nicole's not a big name on the independence, but we wanted her on to talk about, you know, what's life like for a ring announcer, but she didn't want to do it, you know. You know, if she wanted to answer our messages to her, she didn't she didn't, so we're gonna move on and that's that. But let's move on back to the WWE Ryan and um of course, a big weekend for SmackDown Live as, uh, of course, this Sunday is Money in the Bank. And uh, later on in this hour, we're going to give our predictions for that show. should be an awesome show. But we'll start with Monday Night Raw. Um, we'll start with the negatives because most of the show is negative on, uh, uh, other than the first segment. Um, other than that first segment, Ryan, the rest of the show is blah. You know, nothing special, nothing big happened. And just a lot of stupid, pointless storylines that are going on right now within Raw. Uh, first and foremost, the main event tag team match between the Hardys and Cesaro and Sheamus—it was okay, you know, wasn't all that great. I'm still of the—I'm still one of those people that just thinks that this story should be over with, that the Hardy Boys should still be tag team champions, that Cesaro and Sheamus should not be together as a tag team. I'm still gonna keep saying that. I don't care how good Cesaro and Sheamus have been together. I've seen Cesaro enough as a tag team champion where he should be doing other stuff like wrestling for singles titles. I'm never going to let that go. Cesaro and Sheamus have been good. I I will admit that. But Cesaro has been a tag team champion multiple times. It's time for him to get his opportunity as a singles competitor. Don't want to see it anymore. And the Hardy Boys should be tag team champions. All right. They had a perfect plan in place. All right. If you had the Hardy Boys, just let them beat freaking Cesaro and Sheamus. You could have moved on. To the Hardy Boys versus Gallus and Anderson. So you can finally help out Gallus and Anderson who continue to be involved in this stupid storyline involving Enzo, Cass, and the Big Show. Now we're going to have a Big Show versus Cass feud. Can't wait to see that. So freaking stupid. Um, The Dean Ambrose miss stuff was not great. I mean, it's corny, stupid stuff. Uh, Dean Ambrose coming out dressing like a bear. And, of course, he beats up The Miz, and The Miz and his wife are having problems now because The Miz destroyed Maurice's grandfather clock. It's so corny stuff, and this is another feud that has to end very, very soon. It's getting old. We've seen enough of these two guys facing each other. Let them go their separate ways. Let The Miz have another challenger, and let Dean do something else. The storyline is getting old. Move on to something else that's stupid again the Titus brand not a fan of it all right it it does give apollo crew something to do but in a positive way no i just don't think fans give enough uh they don't give enough effort into really following the storyline i don't either i'm not interested in it in terms of the women's segment um i'm actually interested to see where they're going to go with this title thing uh, for the match itself and the segment that took place on Monday, it was a typical WWE booking where you have multiple people in the ring. It leads to an all-out brawl, and it sets up a six-person tag match. And this happened, again, the same thing. Alexa Bliss, Nia Jax, and Emma versus Sasha Banks, Dana Brooke, and Mickey James. Same old stuff. But in terms of the storyline, Ryan, I'm interested because right now we don't have a clear number one contender. And I'm interested to see... What match are we going to see? Is Alexa Bliss going to face every single one of those women in a multiple-person match? Or are we going to see a Fatal 5-Way match to determine the next number one contender? I am interested in seeing that. If I had to pick a favorite, I still think Sasha Banks has the best chance. Because I think in terms of a storyline and a feud, Sasha Banks and Bliss is the most interesting feud. But they can go in many different directions. It could be Nia Jax. It could be Emma. It could be Mickey James. You just don't know. The segment on Monday, I'm not a fan of it, but for the story itself, I am interested in it. Speaking of the women, Bailey, again, what in God's name are they doing with Bailey? All right, this is the first time we saw her since she lost at Extreme Rules. She does an interview with Corey Graves. The interview was awkward, and then the, and then it got more awkward when Bailey asks Corey Graves for a hug, and now there's rumors going around that they might do a love angle between the two. Nah, not a fan of it. All right. If Corey Graves was still wrestling, maybe I would be a fan of it, but it's not going to make sense. How could you do a love angle when one of the people are not wrestling? Corey Graves is doing commentary. When we usually see these love angle storylines, both participants are wrestling or the female is usually the one that doesn't wrestle. This time around, it's the opposite where Bailey, the female, is the wrestler and the male counterpart, Corey Graves, is the commentator it's just not going to work out well, all right? It's amazing where Bailey has gone now. She was once the, the biggest star in NXT. She was the most beloved women's performer in WWE. And now she's stuck doing stupid stuff like this. It's sad to watch. She deserves so much better. And by the way, happy birthday, Bailey. Enjoy it. So those are the negatives, Ryan. Your thoughts? Any other negatives? Also, of course, no Finn Balor on the show. What the hell are they doing? Seth Rollins, Bray Wyatt. What's that stuff going on? You know, again, it's a typical Bray Wyatt stuff where he talks like a god, he acts like a god, but in the very end, the results are not looking great. It's a typical Bray Wyatt storyline where he's going to hype it up, hype up his feud with whoever he faces with all these rhymes and promos, but when the match happens, he's going to lose. Typical stuff. How could you call yourself a wrestling god when you don't win? Plain and simple, it's stupid. They calling this guy a god. He calls himself a god. But he never freaking wins. They got to stop with that crap. So, other than that, of course, we had the big segment to kick off the show. We're going to get into that a little bit. But, Ryan, your thoughts on the negatives of Monday Night Raw?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, a typical Monday Night Raw show for you. Like you said, I mean, you basically touched on it besides the opening segment with Samoa Joe and Brock Lesnar. The rest was just meh. I mean, it really was not anything, uh, you know, really great to to really see. If you missed it, you know, you really didn't miss much. Uh, start off with the Dean Ambrose miss stuff, like you said. Miz needs to find a partner, and I called this right before it even happened. I said this. She was watching with my girlfriend. I was like, "It's gonna be a guy in a bear costume," and she's like, "What?" I'm like, "Yeah, just watch." Knowing WWE, they're gonna try and capitalize on what happened the week before with the bear. They're gonna have a bear come out and be his partner, and sure enough, that's what it was. And then it wasn't Ambrose. And then, oh, here he comes! Here comes the real bear. It's it's Ambrose's time again. Like you said, Brian, corny, goofy, stupid. Uh, this rivalry hopefully ends with this, you know, last match between these two. And then Dean Ambrose needs to find something else to do besides chasing the IC title. And the Miz needs to move on to another opponent. Uh, so yeah, I had some negative stuff there. Uh, the women's segment was okay, like you said, I mean, I'm curious to see what direction they end up going in, uh, it looks like Nia is kind of agreeing with Alexa Bliss, and maybe she won't turn on her right away, uh, they did have that match last week, but this week, it kind of seems like, you know, she was trying to persuade Nia to be back on her side, uh, it looks like they're going to be doing Sasha Banks and um, Alexa Bliss, that's what I got out of that segment, but. Uh, So they could do so many different things. They could go Mickey James. They could go Dana Brooke. They can go Emma. That was uh, interesting to see Emma come out as well. So, uh, you know, basically left you with the tag match and nothing more. So we'll see what happens as uh, the weeks go on. For the Bray Wyatt and the Seth Rollins thing was actually pretty good. Uh, I'm excited to see these two finally go at it. I don't think we've ever really seen these two um, really in the ring. So, it's something fresh, it's something new, it's something different, so I'm all on board for it, but like you said, I mean, I could already see this. It's been written in the stars already. It don't look good for Bray Wyatt. You know that. I mean, coming into this feud, since when does Bray Wyatt ever come out of a feud on top? He never does. Uh, it's someone's going to be no different either. Not having Roman Reigns and Finn Balor on the show, I think, really killed it. I mean, what it, <laughs> what was going on there? I mean, were they backstage or did they just tell them, yeah, you guys sit at home this week. We don't need you. To the two arguably biggest stars on Raw, we don't need you this week. That is unacceptable. Uh, to me, that just really hurt the show a lot as well. And uh, I have the, the Enzo and Cass and uh, Big Show stuff. I mean, somebody attacking Cass again, but I hate the fact that Big Show's involved in this. I was so into this storyline, I could not wait to see it every single week until the Big Show showed up, and now it just... I'm still interested in it. I want to see, you know, who ends up being the attacker and what happens, but having the Big Show there just kind of... Uh, deteriorates my interest a little bit. I, I just I am so sick of seeing him on television. He's not needed nowadays. He's really not. Uh, just weird stuff going on when, when him and Enzo were hugging in the ring, and then Big Cass. The look on his face in the background. Weird stuff. I don't really know what they're onto here. Uh, but if ends if this ends up being something involving the Big Show, uh, hit by him being the attacker or something. It is what a waste of time. They literally dragged out week after week just to waste it on the big show. That would be totally unacceptable. And the last negative thing I really had, like you said, was that Bailey interview. I mean, what the hell was that, Brian? I mean, come on. Dude. She literally basically acted like she, like she was nothing, like she was – Like, why is she in the WWE if she's scared to get down and dirty, if she's scared to get extreme? Uh, She basically looked like a little wuss. I mean, what are they doing to Bayley, for God's sake? She was such a badass in NXT. I mean, yeah, she was this happy-go-lucky girl, giving out hugs and everything. But at the same time, she was badass. Her matches with Sasha Banks, the Iron Woman match. I mean, give me a freaking break right now with that interview. I mean, God, and she wants to end it on a hug and... Corey Graves just doesn't want, doesn't want anything to do with it. It's just, that was embarrassing. I really felt so, so bad for Bailey because, you know what, again, she's not writing this crap. She's not the one that shows up to the arena and goes, okay, this is what my promo is going to be for the day. No, it's whatever they're feeding her. They're feeding her this garbage and then she has to make the best of it. It's unacceptable. And then no wonder what this rumors of Triple H being frustrated with Vince. I mean, how could he not be, for God's sake? This is just unacceptable stuff. And I really don't know how Bailey comes out Comes back from this, I really don't. I don't know how you incorporate her in a credible storyline when you're making her look like she is nothing to begin with. So, uh, yeah, those were all the negatives I had from Raw this week.
0: Yeah, in terms of again um, about Triple H, I mean, we're gonna touch on that a little bit, but like you say, he has every right to be to be angry, to be pissed off, but. Uh, and you know, in terms of why Raw was so bad this week, and, you know, and, and yeah, I, I agree. It makes no sense. You know, Finn Balor and Roman Reigns are the two biggest draws on that show, and neither of them were there. Stupid stuff. And I believe part of the reason why Raw was just not that good this week is because they gave up. And why do I say they gave up? Well, personally, they were on at the same time the NBA finals were on, and we've seen WWE do this a lot now when. Raw or SmackDown are live, of course, Monday and Tuesdays, and they are broadcasting the very same time that we're seeing a huge championship game like the NBA Finals or the Stanley Cup or even the Super Bowl. They just tend to give up on their show because they have no shot of winning the ratings because people are going to watch the NBA Finals and the NHL Finals over uh, Monday Night Raw. All right, again, I I get some of it. We all know you're not going to win, but at the same time, WWE... Think about the audience in the crowd. Think about those people that go to the arena, buy a ticket, and sit down for three and a half, three and a half hours or two hours, whether which, no matter what show it is, to sit there and watch the stuff. Think about those people. Who cares? All right, if people decide to tune in to the NBA Finals or the Stanley Cup Finals and not watch your show, okay. You're definitely upset about that, but... That, th- that should not stop you from putting on a very good show for the fans that are, are watching on television, like myself. I was watching Raw over the NBA Finals. Or for the fans at the arena. You should not do that. They do it so much now where when they're facing um, something like the NBA Finals at the same time and we all know the Finals are going to get more viewership, they just give up on the show. No, don't do that. Put together the best show you can put together and give it to the fans that are watching on the television screen and for those fans that are watching in attendance. I hate when they do that. They've done it now multiple times. And that was so true this past Monday when the NBA Finals were on. And, of course, the Warriors won the Finals and people were going to watch because, you know, they're big basketball fans. It's a huge Finals, of course. And this was, of course, the night where the Warriors are going to win the Finals. I get all of that. You're not going to win the viewership, but so what? Number one, your viewership already sucks because your product sucks. So you weren't going to get any high viewership anyways. And again, for those who are watching, for those who do care, you just give them a shit show. You're driving viewership away because you're giving up. Why are you doing that? Shouldn't you want to put together the best show possible to draw viewers in? Don't draw them out because you can't beat the NBA Finals. It's stupid stuff. And they did that again this past Monday by having an absolute shit show other than, of course, the first segment. And we'll touch on that. But, Ryan, any thoughts about that? You know, them giving up because of the NBA Finals?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's unacceptable. Like you said, Brian, I mean, not everybody's going to watch. I mean, yeah, a good majority of the world is going to watch that over, you know, Raw. But again, I think if you put on a good product, the people will go back and forth. People will be conflicted. People are going to be like, all right, I'm going to, you know, tune into this half of the game. But then, you know, now I'm going to quickly switch over to see this segment or this match because, you know, it's going to be really good. Again, if you put on a solid show and you advertise big time matches and, you know, had some good solid segments – I think you know again it would be it would be close again. I think you know ultimately NBA finals will triumph it because you know more people like sports I guess and this is a you know raws on every single week and the finals only come around one time a year. I get that, but I. I- I can't stand watching basketball. Like you said, Brian, you watched Raw over the NBA Finals as well. So there's not everybody that's going to watch that. And like you said, even the paying customer, the fans in the arena that pay to go to Raw, you can't ship them out of, a, out of a good show just because the NBA Finals are on that night. It's it's unacceptable. But again, that could be why a reason why they felt like they had no competition when it came to that.
0: And the only segment that really was the memorable segment on Raw and to me, one of the more memorable segments, I believe, this entire year for WWE was the opening segment between Brock Lesnar and Samoa Joe. Now, they did advertise it. They did announce that Brock Lesnar was going to be on the show. So right then and there, people were going to tune in. But what made this segment so great, Ryan, is that it kicked off the show. Usually when Brock Lesnar arrives at a Raw show or other big event for WWE... They save him for either the middle portion of the show or the final part of the show. I really can't remember the last time when Brock Lesnar kicked off a show. So to see him kick off the show, you knew something big was going to happen because they don't do this often with Brock Lesnar. So again, Brock Lesnar comes out. We finally see the Universal Championship for the first time in two and a half months. And we all know how absurd that is. But he comes out with the belt with Paul Heyman. Heyman, again, goes on his typical Paul Heyman promo, which I'm not saying is bad. It's great stuff, but it's a typical Paul Heyman promo where he's saying that uh, Brock Lesnar is going to victimize. He's going to make Samoa Joe suffer for what he did to me. Give me the coquina clutch. This is the worst case scenario for Samoa Joe, blah, blah, blah. Next thing you know, here comes Samoa Joe. He's walking out, and he's walking out with a purpose. And the way he was walking right to the ring. I knew something big was going to happen because again, we usually don't see that when somebody's going to confront Brock Lesnar. That walk to the ring doesn't really happen a lot. You know, usually when a guy walks out to confront Brock, he walks slowly. He has that look on his face where, you know, he's prejudiced about going into the ring. Usually the person has a microphone in their hand. We didn't get that. Samoa Joe just walked down in the ring with that pissed-off face of his, gets into the ring. And here comes the stare-off. Here comes the stare-down between Brock and Samoa Joe. That moment alone of those two guys just standing there looking at each other was surreal to me because for so long, I've been wanting to see this encounter because Samoa Joe is a beast and so is Brock Lesnar. And I never thought we would ever see it. And we finally came to it. We saw it this past Monday, the first encounter. And then, bam, Joe hits Brock with a, with a, with a uh, headbutt. And then the brawl's on. And the brawl was so freaking good, man. I mean, And and what made this brawl so good is that Brock didn't dominate. Because usually when we see Brock in a brawl, he usually is the one who's dominating. And his opponent gets some shots in, but it's usually Brock that comes out the victor. That was not the case this time. Samoa Joe took it to Brock Lesnar like I've never seen anyone take it to Brock Lesnar before. And it was so good. The security guys come out. They had no chance of staying in there and and holding off Brock and Joe. Both Brock and Joe dismantle the security. They go back at each other. And here comes the roster. Here comes everybody from the Raw roster to try to stop this. And then Samoa Joe hits Brock with a super kick. Brock's on the outside now. They're both fighting on the outside. And I said this on the Instagram page, Ryan. That's how it should go down at Great Balls of Fire. I do not. Again, I said this on, on last week's episode. And I'm going to say it again. And every single time we talk about this until the match happens... They cannot do the typical Brock Lesnar suplex city domination bullshit that they have done the past three to four years when Brock has faced a full-timer. They did it with him against Seth Rollins. They did it with him against John Cena. They did it with him against Dean Ambrose, against Roman Reigns, against Randy Orton. And you could say that you could get away with that because Brock has such a big advantage because he's so big, he's so strong. This time around, Ryan... They can't get away with that because Samoa Joe is just as big, just as athletic, just as mean and as a badass as Brock Lesnar. And we saw that on full display on Raw. Samoa Joe did not back down. He got in Brock's face and he kicked his ass. Now, of course, in a real life fight, Brock would beat his ass because Brock's a former UFC fighter and Samoa Joe doesn't have any training of that. But so what? This is not a real fight. If you want to make this a real battle in a wrestling ring, you do not have Brock Lesnar destroy Samoa Joe. That's not realistic. Because we all know Samoa Joe could take it to Brock. He may be the only guy on that WWE roster other than Braun Strowman that could take it to Brock Lesnar. And he showed that on Raw this past Monday. And that's how it should go down. I still have fears, real Ryan, that they're going to go with that typical booking where Brock's going to throw out with five 10 suplexes. He's going to dominate Samoa Joe. Joe might get a couple of shots in, but in the very end, Brock wins the match with an F5, and that's it. And they just can't do that this time. It has to be different. You got to be different. You can't go with that typical booking. It's getting old. Again, I liked it in the beginning because it was new, but as time, moves, as time moves on and things keep going on at the same time, it gets old. You need to do something different, and I'm hoping... That Vince McMahon saw that segment and said, you know what, I'm going to give Samoa Joe an opportunity to fight Brock Lesnar, and I'm going to give the opportunity to give Brock Lesnar the fight of his life. It has to happen like that. If they do that at Great Balls of Fire, if they continue that brawl, and if that's how the match goes down, then this has, this has the opportunity to be a great match. But again, it will not surprise me, Ryan... If they go back to that same old booking where Brock Lesnar is too dominant that no one can beat him. You can't do that this time. Samoa Joe has proved that he can hang with Brock Lesnar. He showed that he can kick Brock Lesnar's ass. Let him take that opportunity and roll with it. Let these two guys have a competitive matchup. What's the problem if Brock gets his ass kicked? It's not going to hurt his image. He's Brock freaking Lesnar. It's not going to hurt his image. Let these two guys go to war. People want to see us. People are invested in this. When was the last time you were invested in a big-time WWE matchup like this? I can't remember. It's going to be a great matchup, hopefully. And hopefully, from this past segment on Raw, we get to see these two guys battle it out in a competitive match at Great Balls of Fire. But again, at the same time, Ryan, it would not shock me one bit if they go back to that same old booking where Brock Lesnar is just too dominant that not even Samoa Joe can take... Can handle the beast. And if they go with that route. I will never forget WWE. It's It would be absurd. It would be stupid. They can't go that route anymore Ryan. Let these two guys have a competitive matchup. Because we all know. At the CNS segment Monday Ryan. That these two guys are capable of pulling off a great matchup. But again. This is Vince McMahon we're talking about. And it would not surprise me. If he lets Brock Lesnar absolutely demolish and destroy Samoa Joe.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh,
0: plain and simple. You said it best.
1: It can't go down you know, the way it usually does. Again, uh, this segment on Raw to kick off the show was phenomenal. This is what we need to see when guys go up against Brock Lesnar. Now, I know not a lot of guys are the size of Samoa Joe, and it's never this highly anticipated like it is because look at these guys. These are two monsters. I mean, two guys that just go in there and dominate. Uh, so this is a big-time matchup right here, unlike anybody that Lesnar has faced it, you know, in quite some time. I know he faced Goldberg. Uh, you knew what you are getting with him, Undertaker, whatever. But this is a big-time matchup right here. Uh, this is what needed to happen. Samojo needed to go in there and go right at him to show that he's not afraid of him. And that's exactly what happened. Like you said, he marched right down there. Once Paul Heyman got out of the ring, I knew it was going to get physical. He gets in there, stare down to have that quick little image, you know, so people could get their pictures of those two in the ring face-to-face just staring each other down. And then, bam, Samojo hits him with the headbutt. All hell breaks loose. Uh, not even the security can break those two guys up, and they had to bring up the whole roster. I thought that was perfect. We've seen this happen before. We saw this happen when The Undertaker faced Brock Lesnar, where the whole roster had to come out to hold those two guys back. This is exactly what needed to be done to build towards this match. Now, we all know Brock Lesnar is going to win this match. It, it's basically plain and obvious. You know, anybody who thinks that Samoa is going to win, I feel bad because you're getting your hopes up for nothing. This is a one-and-done, I think, for Samoa Joe. And you know what? That's okay, because we all know what's going to happen with Brock Lesnar. He's going to hold this belt until next year's WrestleMania, and then the big dog, Roman Reigns, is going to come in and beat him for that belt. We know it's coming. I mean, it's it's obvious at this point. But just the fact that Joe is getting this opportunity, we have to be grateful for it. I'm trying to enjoy it the best, best as I can. I'm very excited for, for the matchup at Great Balls of Fire. But like you said, it needs to go down the way it did this past Monday, because if not... It's not going to be good, and it's not going to be fun to watch. And again, that would be a ba- making a bad example out of Samoa Joe because how does Samoa Joe come back from that? If he gets dominated by Brock Lesnar, how in the world are you supposed to take him serious as a dominating force moving forward when Brock Lesnar is long gone and not in the WWE anymore, and Samoa Joe has to be that big-time monster? How can he be after you know going to Suplex City 19 times in one match and getting dominated and looking so awful? It can't happen, Brian. It cannot go down that way. We'll see what happens. Again, I would not be shocked if it does go down that way. But, uh, you know, for storyline purposes and for the purpose of Samoa Joe and for his future, it cannot go down that way. Brock Lesnar put him over this past Monday. He needs to at least put him over in some fashion in their match. He's not going to put him over completely by having him win the match, but he needs to, you know, help Samoa Joe look a little strong in there as well.
0: Yeah, because Samoa Joe is going to be that next beast, along with Braun Strowman. They're going to be the next two beasts of the WWE, and what better guy to put Joe over as a beast than the beast in Brock Lesnar? So we'll see what happens with that. We still have a, about you know three, four weeks away till Great Balls of Fire. It doesn't happen until early, uh, early to mid-July. In terms of SmackDown Live, I did not watch the entire show. I was busy that night, so I caught some of it. I did watch the main event matchup. Uh, Between all six uh, uh, Money in the Bank participants, it was a six-man tag match. Nakamura, Styles, and Zayn versus Corbin, Owens, and Ziggler. Very good match. like, though, at the very end that all these guys attacked each other. They hit each other with the ladders. Nakamura was the last one standing. He had the briefcase in his hand. Pretty cool to see. And, again, there's really nothing else you can say. It's going to be a very exciting match this Sunday. I still think keep an eye on Rusev. That's still my thought process that I think Rusev could get involved in this match. How is he going to get involved? We'll find out. Uh, Lana introduced a new finisher. She attacked Naomi. Very nice finisher, but again, Lana has to prove herself. All right? If WWE is going to push her, uh, Vince McMahon is going to push her, she has to be good in the ring because, let's be honest, Lana is taking Eva Marie's spot. This spot was supposed to be saved for Eva Marie, but because Eva Marie didn't take it too seriously, she's no longer with the company. Thank God. Lana has maybe potential because she's got the looks. The fans like her, but if she's not good in the ring, she's not going to last. And I'm hoping that she's good in the ring because she's a draw. We all know that. She is a draw. People come to see Lana. She gets a good reaction all the time. She's beautiful. And if she can work out well in the ring, she's going to be very, very good. And it would not surprise me, Ryan, if she impresses so much – At Money in the Bank this Sunday. She looks great in the ring. She's going to be the next Women's Champion. I'm telling you that right now. That's how Vince is. If she's that good in the ring, Lana will become the next Women's Champion. That would not surprise me. But Lana, Naomi this Sunday, of course. uh, The New Day stuff with the Usos, very, very solid. Uh, Zack Ryder came back. Back with Mojo Raleigh. I just wish just Zack Ryder can just give him a brosky boot. I'm sick of Mojo Riley. I'm sick of seeing him. I want Zack Ryder to be by himself. We all know how good Zack Ryder is. Mojo Riley can just leave. He's just terrible. Uh, but the Hype Bros are back for now. We'll see what happens with them moving forward. Um, and, yeah, that's pretty much it with SmackDown. It was, it was just a good, overall, solid go-home show. Uh, Charlotte and Natalya had a very solid match as well. Those two girls can't disappoint when they face each other. Uh, again, just overall good stuff, and SmackDown Live, I thought, did a very good job in hyping up Money in the Bank this Sunday, you know, with the matches they put together, uh, the, the segments every single week, the matches that we've seen, some great stuff overall for SmackDown Live, and uh, of course, Money in the Bank is this Sunday, we'll give our predictions in a little bit, but uh, Ryan, your thoughts on SmackDown?
1: Yeah, it was all right. I mean, uh, not the best show. But again, I really didn't care too much about it because there's nothing more that they could have done to hype me up for Sunday. I'm as hyped as hype can get. I can't wait for the show. I think it's going to be a tremendous event. The card looks great. I always look forward to the Money in the Bank, uh, you know, pay-per-views every year. To me, it should be one of the main four because, let's face it, Money in the Bank has more of of an effect on the storylines and it's more exciting Than Survivor Series. I think it should be SummerSlam, WrestleMania, Royal Rumble, and Money in the Bank as the main four. Survivor Series has not been relevant in, you know, years. I mean, it used to be back in the day, but Money in the Bank. Is a pay-per-view that is important, and I'm looking forward to Sunday because I think it's going to be really, really good. Like you mentioned, uh, you know, the New Day uso stuff was good. Again, now that's going to be a good match, and it's going to be a good storyline moving forward. I think they do drag this out, but uh, it was a good, good stuff there. I didn't really care for the tag match with all those uh, team, all those you know teams or the Colones in there and uh, Breezango. I didn't really care for the opening match, but I think the match uh, between New Day and Usos will be good. Lana and uh, Naomi interaction was pretty good. Lana did impress me with that finishing move that she had uh, doing it in that dress that was pretty impressive right there we'll see what she's got on Sunday I mean hey maybe she shocks all of us and is better than what we think but uh, you know I guess only time will tell that finishing move though really really did impress me Um, the main event the six man tag match was pretty good again it's going to be an insane ladder match on Sunday I cannot wait for that one Uh, yeah I mean not much else really happened on Smackdown again you said Charlotte and then Natalya had a good match uh, you know, again, g- nothing really too important. Again, like I said, they can't possibly m- get me any more hyped than yeah. I already am. Uh, Jinder Mahal, Randy Orton. Randy Orton basically gave him an RKO out of nowhere. No real build up there. I mean, Jinder Mahal really hasn't done anything since he's been the champion. Basically coming out, giving short promos, and then leaving. Uh, having small segments here and there, so that should be good as well. Though, uh, like you said, a solid go home show. Probably better than any of the ones we've seen on Raw in the past couple of months. That's
0: for sure. So, uh, yeah, should be an awesome event this Sunday. And quickly on NXT, uh, again, nothing really happened. Big, I mean, but other than the the uh, six, uh, excuse me, the triple threat match for the NXT Women's Title between Asuka, Nikki Cross, and Ruby Ride, Nothing really big happened. We saw Authors of Painter in action. They won, squashing more opponents. Uh, They had a nice little confrontation with Heavy Machinery. Um, Patrick Clark or the Velveteen Dream was in action. He won his match. Okay. Drew Galloway won his match or Drew McIntyre, excuse me. But uh, yeah, that triple threat women's match last night was very, very good. Uh, It was elimination rules. So Ruby Wright got eliminated first, which left uh, Nikki Cross and Oscar remaining. And those two girls did a lot of damage to each other. Brawl throughout the arena. It ended with both girls going through a table. Uh, both of them were unable to reach the count so maybe down the road Oscar versus Nikki Cross for the women's title will happen will happen on a TV taping or at the next takeover event we'll see but a cross Oscar rivalry is going to be interesting and it's a big uh, episode next week for NXT Uh, Ember Moon makes her return she faces Payne Royce and we see a reunion Ryan heroes eventually die reunion Alistair Black versus Cash's owner next week that is going to be must watch but Ryan, you mentioned earlier before, speaking of NXT, about Triple H's frustration with Vince McMahon in terms of Vince's use of the current talent, specifically that Triple H helped build in NXT. And the specific names that you keep hearing and, wh- and what Triple H is frustrated about are Bailey and American Alpha. And like you said, Ryan, I cannot sit here and blame Triple H whatsoever for being absolutely frustrated with the way Vince has destroyed his talent. Because look, Bailey and American Alpha are big differences when it comes to some of the talent in NXT. Because the majority of the talent in NXT are veteran independent talents. Again, Bobby Roode, he's in NXT, but he's been in the business for 18 years. Eric Young, same same reason. Cassius no, same reason. Alistair Black before NXT, he was on the independence for 14 years. Roger Strong was in Ring of Honor for 13 years and has done more independent stuff. Uh, Hideo Tommy's been around for a long time. Usually when NXT new when they see new signs from NXT, they are mostly seasoned veteran independent wrestlers that are now getting the opportunity to go to the big stages. But Bailey and American Alpha are different. Bailey was brought up from NXT. I mean, she had some independent bookings, but she was not a big name. WWE took a chance on her. She had a tryout. She she did well in the tryout. She got a contract, and over time, they slowly built her up into the character that she is today. Who played a big part in that? Of course, Dusty Rhodes, the late great Dusty Rhodes, rest in peace, Dusty, and Triple H. Triple H helped give Bailey the opportunity to utilize her character to the best of her ability, and it worked. It worked so well in NXT that she was more over than anybody in NXT when she was there. She was completely over. Not just with the little girls, but even young, grown men were into Bailey. Anywhere she went, she was so over in NXT. What happens when she goes to the main roster? Vince McMahon books her into these stupid storylines. They make her like into this little, you know, this wuss, like you said, Ryan, before Use used that word, wuss. We look back at the interview, she looked like a failure, a disappointment, a wuss. And now they're doing more creepy stuff with Bailey. Her microphone skills have not been that great. Uh, and like you said, Ryan, she has not acted like a badass. Like, yeah, she wasn't a badass in NXT in terms of her character. But once she got in the ring, she didn't give a shit who you were. She beat your ass. She did it to Sasha Banks, she did it to Nia Jax, and she did it to Asuka. didn't matter. Now when she's on the main roster, she can't even use a freaking kendo stick to beat up Alexa Bliss who tormented her life. That is called terrible booking. American Alpha. Again, two guys that were not independent wrestlers. They came from the collegiate ranks. Both these guys were collegiate wrestling champions. And we all know... WWE loves bringing in the collegiate wrestlers because, you know, they got the wrestling background. They just need the character and they could succeed. Look at Kurt Angle. He won the Olympics. He was a collegiate wrestler. They brought him on board. They found a gimmick for Kurt Angle. Guess what? Kurt Angle, many years later, is in the Hall of Fame. Great career for Kurt Angle. So they do the same thing with American Alpha. Both guys came in as singles competitors. Both failed as singles competitors. What does Triple H do? Instead of just dumping them, he says, you know what? I'm going to put them together as a tag team. They both have the collegiate backgrounds. Maybe they'll have some good chemistry. So that happens. They put them together. Guess what? They become a popular over tag team in NXT and then became NXT tag team champions at TakeOver Dallas against the Revival. They became one of the more popular tag teams in the history of NXT. And when you saw them in NXT, Ron, you were thinking we're seeing the next great tag team in WWE. What happens when they hit the main roster? What are they doing? You know, right out of the gate, they were looking solid, but once they dropped those tag team titles, that was it. They are not seen on television. Vince McMahon doesn't know what to do with these guys, and they have become a big failure. So Triple H is basically putting in so much work to build up these talents. To try to create the next wave of superstars that are going to lead this company to the future. And Vince McMahon, the man that once used to do that, back in the old days of WWE, creating talent, is destroying his future. I mean, again, I like Vince. I'm not saying he's a dumbass. I can't say that. He's a billionaire. He helped grow this company into a global phenomenon. But in this day and age, the guy just doesn't get it. He doesn't know how to utilize these talents. And I think the biggest problem, Ryan, is with this situation. Vince McMahon does not put effort in into watching NXT. I don't think he's watched a single NXT episode since it was started broadcasting on the WWE Network. And that's a humongous problem. Because Vince McMahon, the talent in NXT are going to be the future of your company. These talents are supposed to be the next wave of talent... To lead this company into the next age of wrestling, and you are destroying them. Bailey should not be this way. When you saw her in NXT, and you saw her popularity. I said it myself. I said she's going to be the female version of John Cena. There is no chance in hell that's ever going to happen now because Vince destroyed her. American Alpha. I said they're going to be the next great tag team along with the revival. Nah, it's probably not going to happen now. Because they're doing nothing. Because Vince McMahon doesn't know how to utilize these talents to the ability they should be utilized. The only guy that knows how to do that is Triple H because he created them. So Triple H has every right to be pissed off. Every right to be frustrated. He should really get in Vince's face and say, how dare you? I'm trying to do you a favor, Vince. I'm building your next wave of superstars. And you're destroying them from my very own eye. You're destroying them from the fans' eyes. My eyes. Your eyes, Ryan. It's sad. He's destroying his own future. Now, yes, there are some exceptions that from NXT. Kevin Owens has worked out well. But again, Kevin Owens is an independent pro wrestler. Finn Balor, NXT, he's worked out well. But again, independent pro wrestler. We're talking about talents that didn't really have the name recognition on the independents. And they were just gifts for WWE. Gifts that Triple H helped create. Gifts that Dusty Rhodes created. And it's being destroyed in our ver- from our very own eyes by Vince McMahon. It's sickening. Especially for American Alpha. They're in a tag team division that sucks. Other than the Usos in the New Day. That division sucks and American Alpha can't do nothing. They're doing absolutely nothing. And it's not their fault. Because we know, Ryan, how good Jordan and Gable are. We saw how great they were in NXT. You can't lose talent, you can't lose chemistry, and you can't lose charisma. What could kill you is booking and character use. And that is what we're seeing when it comes to Bailey, when it comes to an American Alpha, when it comes to the Ascension, the longest reign NXT taking champions of all time. They can't get nothing done. You know, when it comes to some other talents, like freaking Elias Sampson or freaking Tyler Breeze or freaking Mojo Riley, talents that, you know, Triple H helped create are not getting over on the main roster because Vince is destroying them. He's not utilizing them to the best of their ability. So, Triple H, man, I feel ya. I understand where you're coming from, man. I would be pissed off, too. Triple H is putting so much work in to help create the next wave of talent to lead this company. And the man who owns the freaking company is destroying them. Plain and simple. He is destroying it. And I have fears, Ryan, for the next wave of talent that are gonna make their way I have fears for Roderick Strong I have fears for Aleister Black I have fears for Hideo Itami I have fears for the authors of pain and for some of the women like a Nikki Cross or a Ruby Riot that are gonna get their opportunity because these talents are gonna be on the main roster one day I'm scared to death for them because with the way Vince utilizes his talents With the way the writing team just terribly writes stuff for them. Writes, you know, segments and promos. Who knows where these guys are going to be in the future? Again, a guy like Roger Strong is so much better. He's so freaking good that, you know, when he hits the main roster, I have fears. Because the way Vince looks at talent, Roger Strong may never succeed. And the same goes for the rest of the talent in NXT. So, it has to stop. Triple H has to... I have to say this. It's not going to happen, but Triple H has to get more involved with Raw and SmackDown. He does. It's not going to happen because that's not his position. But in order to save some of these talents' futures, Triple H has got to be more involved because he knows. He's the only one that knows. And, of course, William Regal's the other guy. But William Regal does NXT, of course. But Triple H is the only one that knows how to bring out the best of these talents. Vince McMahon has no freaking clue what to do. Because for the simple reason, I just don't think Vince watches NXT enough. He doesn't. Now, I get it. Vince is a busy guy. But still, Vince, at some point during your days, can you just sit and and watch and take your time off to watch NXT to see what the future looks like for your company? He doesn't do it. I think the first time Vince sees these talents is when the first time they hit the main roster. I don't think Vince whatsoever watches NXT. And that's a big problem. Vince has got to watch his future because they're going to be the next talents to lead this company. And he's destroying a lot of these talents. Bailey, American Alpha, Tyler Breeze, The Ascension, Neville before he became the king of the Cruiserweights. Neville was in that conversation. You can't do that anymore. You can't keep doing this. You're destroying the futures of these talents. And like you said, Ryan, I don't see Bailey ever recovering. I don't see American Alpha ever recovering. And that's a shame because we all know how good they are. They were fantastic. They were over in NXT, but then they hit the main roster. And what happens to them? They're underutilized. They're overbooked. They're misused by Vince McMahon. It has to stop. So Triple H, I'm hoping to God you get more involved with this because it has to stop. Bailey, American Alpha, etc. These talents from NXT don't deserve this treatment. It has to end. And hopefully Triple H decides to take action.
1: Yeah, I mean, he better. Like you said, you basically said it perfect, Brian. I mean, uh, again, there's there's no reason why, you know, Vince should be doing this. You know, Triple H works uh, effortlessly and tirelessly, you know, to create the future, like you said. And uh, with Vince just blowing it, basically, right in front of his eyes. Uh, you know, again, it just, it's not going to be good for the future. Again, uh, like you said, basically, all the independent stars who are doing good right now, like Kevin Owens, like Seth Rollins... Uh, you know, guys like that who are succeeding we're big names on the independents. I mean, they came from ring of honor and they were big names before they even stepped foot in the WWE, but we're talking about the people who are under the radar and who didn't make such an impact on the independents, like, you know, Bailey, like the revival, like a Sasha Banks, you know? So uh, again, it's, it's terrible. And how could you not be scared for the current stars that are down in NXT right now? Like you said, a Lister black, Roderick strong, a Atami. uh, how can they, how could you be confident when, you know, we've been seeing nothing but a disaster From half the people that were successful in NXT, now they're on the main roster, they're basically nothing. It's just. It's basically become a waste of time to watch NXT and to invest so much in NXT when these guys and girls are doing absolutely nothing, where, you know, you would say it really matters on the main roster. So, yeah, it's got to come to an end. Uh, Triple H has got to speak up if he hasn't already. Uh, I mean, I have no. Like, again, I do not blame Triple H whatsoever to be, you know, being frustrated with Vince McMahon. I think we all have that same reaction. Uh, And, again, it just has to end before, you know, it it continues to happen with the current crop of talent that he got down in NXT. So, yeah, I mean, I hope Triple H fixes it. I mean, he's the only reason why wrestling is the way it is today and why it's, you know, watchable is because of Triple H. Uh, And hopefully it continues to be that way and we don't see all our favorite stars from NXT uh, just dwindle on the main roster like we've seen from all these current stars that are currently there right
0: now. Yeah, so it has to stop. It's sickening to watch, and these talents deserve a whole lot better than what they're getting. Uh, before we get into our predictions for Money in the Bank, we got to touch on some other stuff that is going on in the, the wrestling world uh, tomorrow night. PWG is back at it with another show um, called Man on the Silver Mountain. Of course, at the Receda Building, here are the matches that are going on that night. Uh, triple threat match Desmond Xavier, Jake Christ, and the debuting Jason Cade. Good for you, Jason Cade. Well deserved. Uh, Chuck Taylor will take on Trevor Lee. Jeff Cobb will take on Trent Beretta. Uh, a rematch from uh, Joy Janela's Spring Break Show Keith Lee versus Leo Rush. That is going to be something to watch. Uh, tag team matchup War Machine making their second PWG appearance will take on the unbreakable F Machines, which, of course, are Brian Cage and Michael Elgin. Matt Seidel will take on Sammy Callihan, And in the main event, Red Dragon will face off against the leaders of the new school, which is, of course, Marty Scurll and Zack Sabre Jr. So that's going on tomorrow night. Should be a very fun show again for PWG. And for all those guys that put the effort in to help promote, to help set up a Joey Janela-Jimmy Havoc match at Progress Wrestling on August the 12th in New York City, congratulations. You convinced progress wrestling to book the match it is happening August the 12th no disqualification match Joey Janela, Jimmy havoc is going down a lot of our supporters guys like you know critical machine uh, the struggles uh, it, the bucks versus everybody our biggest supporters you guys deserve the shout out you put the effort in to create these edits to create to help promote this match take to, 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 to be the voice you know because we don't see this happen a lot Ryan where the fans help create a match, all right? They don't do that often. And we just saw something that happened for the first time where the fans helped create a match. We promoted it. Our biggest supporters promoted it, and it's going down. We spread the word. Janela, Havoc, Joey vs. Jimmy, the hashtag Joey vs. Jimmy. We used it. We used it on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. And guess what? Progress heard. They, they listened to us. They're giving us the matchup, so big congratulations to Joey Janela, who wanted this match, for Jimmy Havoc, who wanted this match, and for the fans who desperately wanted this match. Cannot wait. August the 12th, Janela versus Havoc. Ryan, quick thoughts on that match.
1: Yeah, we wanted it. We got it. I mean, here we go. Perfect example of a company listening to their fans and giving them what they want. uh, And let's see how it goes down. I mean, I don't think it's going to be anything less of amazing. So we'll see. It's no disqualification as well. So it's going to be intense, It's going to be insane. We're going to be there in attendance. So I'm looking forward to it. Like you said, congrats to Joey Janela who really wanted this opportunity.
0: He got it. So did all of us.
1: So uh, it should be great.
0: All right. So there you go. August the 12th, Progress Wrestling is in New York City, and we have our big match, Janela versus Havoc. It's going down. Finally, guys, we'll cap off the show with our predictions for this Sunday's Money in the Bank pay-per-view, a pay-per-view that I'm really looking forward to. Um... Again, one of the more anticipated pay-per-views every year in WWE because of the stakes, because of the matches are so good. So let's get right into it. Only five matches right now, Ryan, are announced for the show. Expect to see more matches added. Maybe a tag team match or a Ty Dillinger matchup. expected that to happen. But here are the five big matches that are going down on Sunday. First and foremost, tag team titles are on the line. New Day versus The Usos. Should be a very fun feud, and it should be a feud that goes on for the entire summer, which means I think the Usos should retain these titles. The New Day eventually are going to win these belts, but to me, right now is not the time. They just got into SmackDown. Let the Usos hang on to it for a little while, and then drop it to the New Day at SummerSlam. This should be a long feud, all right? Because look, SmackDown's tag division has been awful. Maybe this feud will be the one that will save this tag division and will open the doors for Brizongo and American Alpha to get their opportunity. But right now, it's off to a good start. But to me, the Usos have to retain, keep this feud going, let it go on for the entire summer. And then I think once around Summer Slam happens, the New Day will become champions. So give me the Usos to win. They'll cheat to win. I think they're going to cheat to win. And I think they're going to retain their titles. So the Usos for the win.
1: Yeah, I think they'll cheat or uh, it'll be some sort of disqualification. They're not losing the belts so soon. The New Day just came back. Uh, I, I, like I said before, they're going to drag this thing out probably all the way to SummerSlam. It's a good feud. The only two tag teams that are relevant nowadays on SmackDown, so how could you not base a feud around these two teams? You can't just have a one-and-done where the New Day take the belt and that's it. Uh, I do think the Usos will retain, like you said, either by cheating or
0: disqualification. All right, the Women's Championship is on the line. Lana versus Naomi, uh, a match that people are interested in. I want to be interested, but again, it comes down to how Lana performs in the ring. And that's going to be the biggest question mark. We all know how good Naomi is, and she's going to carry this match. But if Lana impresses enough, she will be champion one day. Is she going to be champion this Sunday? I don't see it. A lot of people think it's going to happen. It doesn't make sense. Lana hasn't proven herself yet. I think she should be champion sometime in the future if she's good enough. But to me, Naomi for the moment should still be champion. I think she will retain this belt. Again, if Lana does impress though on Sunday, she will be champion sooner rather than later because that's how Vince books these types of women. He's going to rush her because she's got the looks. So, But however, this Sunday though, I think Naomi does retain the championship.
1: I got Lana, man, I do. Um, I have her winning the belt here, and again, I would not have picked her if uh, there wasn't a Women's Money in the Bank ladder match. The only reason why I'm picking Lana is because I do think whoever wins the Women's ladder match is going to cash in on her uh, and become champion. I don't think they're going to roll with Lana as the Women's champion. Not now. It's too soon. Like I said, I think she will impress us on Sunday, but I don't think she's ready to have a full title run, like a lengthy run with this belt. I do think she's going to get, you know, a quick little moment with it, though. I do think she beats Naomi somehow, some way. Maybe she cheats when the ref isn't looking and uh, rolls her up. I'm not so sure, but I think Lana walks out, you know, at at the match victorious, and then whatever happens after, uh, we'll see. But that's the only reason why I'm picking Lana for the
0: win. Definitely possible, but to me, I just don't see it. Uh, Moving on to the other championship matchup, of course, the WWE Championship rematch. Uh, Randy Orton versus uh, Jimmy Mahal from Backlash Uh, with Mahal, of course, defending the championship. Uh, is gonna win this match. No brainer. I mean, I will say this though. I think WWE has done a much better job in booking Mahal. His entrances have been better. His microphone skills have been better. Does that still mean I'm happy he's champion? No, because I still think that they rushed this. But Mahal has been proved slightly since becoming champion. And I just think it's going to be John Cena that's going to win this belt. There's rumors going around it's going to be Cena versus Mahal at SummerSlam. That's not shocking. And we're not shocking if Cena wins the belt that night. So... Unfortunately for Randy Orton, he's not going to win this belt back. And to be honest, it doesn't make sense either. If you have all this investment in Jinder Mahal, why are you going to drop the belt this early? If you're so invested in it, keep it rolling, keep it going. And I do think they're going to keep it going with Jinder. So he's going to retain this belt Sunday. And I think he's going to move on to a nice small feud. And then once SummerSlam comes around, he's going to drop that belt to Cena. So give me Mahal for this Sunday to win.
1: Yeah, you know what? If you asked me this a couple of weeks ago when Jinder uh, won the belt for the first time, if you asked me if he would retain on his first title defense, I'd tell you, you're crazy. I, I would have said it's one and done. That's it. Getting a short title reign. It's not going past the next pay-per-view. Uh, but, you know, my opinion has changed. I think they're rolling with Mahal for a couple of months now, uh, as they should. You know, he's been a good champion. Uh, again, it's been successful with, you know, the India, the market and over there, and, and uh, getting a lot of viewers and subscribers because of uh, you know all the fans that want to tune in to see Mahal as champion. So, Uh, Yeah, I think Jinder Mahal is going to walk out with the win, and uh, whatever happens after that, there's rumors about Cena at SummerSlam or whatever. Uh, But I do think he wins this match and gets past Orton.
0: Finally, the two biggest matches on this show, the two Money in the Bank ladder matches. We'll start off, of course, with the first ever Women's Money in the Bank ladder match. Five participants, and of course, they are Charlotte, Becky Lynch, Tamina, Carmella, and Natalya. Um... Again, I mentioned this before a couple of weeks ago. I think both matches are going to be surprises. We're not going to see a obvious winner. So for the women's match, of course, the obvious choice for this win is Charlotte or even Becky Lynch. But to be honest, Ryan, does Charlotte or Becky need to win this briefcase? No, they don't. Because, again... These two girls are so big, they're so over that they're always going to be in the picture somehow. This match should be a match that opens the door for new opportunities for younger, up-and-coming talents. And will I agree to this? No, because I'm not the biggest fan of her. But I think it's going to happen, and it's going to be Carmella. I really do believe that. It's going to be her. Uh, again, I'm not the biggest fan of her, but again, SmackDown Live is the land of opportunity. And this will be a way for Carmella to get her opportunity to become the champion. Uh, and I think she's going to win it. I'm not sure how she's going to win it. Maybe Ellsworth gets involved or something else happens. But to me, uh, Becky and Charlotte are too obvious. And I definitely think Carmella is going to win this matchup. And I and, and that's my booking. I think once Naomi beats Lana, then we see Carmella come out. And I think she cashes in on Naomi. Maybe. We'll see what happens with that. But to me... I think Carmella's going to win this match. I'm with the odds because a lot of people think that she's going to win this matchup. I'm with the fans. Give me Carmella to become the first ever women's Money in the Bank ladder match winner.
1: Yeah, I wanted to pick Charlotte. I actually did pick her. Uh, but I, like you said, Brian, it's way too obvious. Everybody's picking her. Uh, you know, SmackDown tends to do the unpredictable thing, the land of opportunity. So I think, you know, they're going to make a new star here, take advantage of that opportunity. Again, that's what the Money in the Bank ladder match is made of. Uh, It's to make make a new star, basically. Uh, Somebody who is not going to get a title match, you know, one-on-one straight up. So they have to win this briefcase in order to, you know, win the belts, basically like their golden ticket to the championship. I think it's going to be Natalya. Again, people are saying Carmella. I can't picture her winning the belt or being a champion. I just don't think she has she has uh, good in ring skills. I don't think she's got good mic skills. I think Natalia has got everything. Of course, she's a veteran. I think she uh, becomes the first ever women's Money in the Bank holder.
0: All right, and finally the big match, the men's Money in the Bank ladder match. Six participants, of course: AJ Styles, Shinsuke Nakamura, Baron Corbin, Sami Zayn, Dolph Ziggler, and Kevin Owens. I'm going to first give you guys a nice little booking that's going to happen. I think we're not going to see Sami Zayn in this matchup because this why. I think Rusev is going to attack Sami Zayn before the match happens. Zayn is unable to go in the match, and Rusev takes his spot because, look, they just announced that Rusev is cleared. You have to give this guy something. They say he's going to debut the TV tapings. Bull crap. I think he's going to first appear this Sunday, and I think he's going to be in the match. If that does happen, Ryan, I'm picking Rusev. But, however, if they don't go that route and Sami Zayn stays in the match, which he should because Sami deserves the opportunity, then it's going to be Baron Corbin. I fully believe that. Again, just like the women's match, AJ Styles, Kevin Owens are the obvious picks. Again, those two guys do not need to win this briefcase, especially AJ Styles. He's the face of SmackDown Live. He's always going to be in the mix. Nakamura... Not his opportunity yet. Should not be his time. They should build Nakamura slowly. Give Nakamura his opportunity around WrestleMania season. Dolph Ziggler, again, he should know his role. His role is to put over the young guys. Plain and simple. Kevin Owens could win this match. But he has to drop the U.S. title at some point. But to me, that's how I see it, Ryan. If Sami Zayn's not in this matchup and it's Rusev, Rusev's going to win. But if they do keep Sami in the matchup, I'm picking Corbin. Again, just like the women's, this matchup, this winner should be a winner that should get the land of – let me try to rephrase this. I'm sorry. Uh, This matchup should be a matchup where new young stars are made. New young stars get the opportunity. And a guy like Baron Corbin, a guy like Rusev needs to win this match so they can get that opportunity. So again, if Zayn's not in the matchup and it's Rusev, Rusev's going to win. But if Zayn stays in the matchup, doesn't get beat up by Rusev, it's going to be Baron Corbin. But anyways, it should be an exciting match nonetheless. Brian, I have the same
1: exact theory as you do. I think, uh, again, if Sammy remains in the match, it's got to go to Baron Corbin. I mean, it's plain as simple. If it doesn't go to Baron Corbin, it goes to Sammy Zayn. I think it's got to be at least one of those two guys. I don't think it could be any other guy in this matchup. I just don't see it happening that way. Again, like I just mentioned with the women's ladder match, it's got to be your golden ticket, basically, to that belt. Somebody who, again, is not just going to get... A one on one shot straight up. AJ Styles could definitely get that opportunity. So can Shinsuke Nakamura. Or so can Kevin Owens. Uh, you know, Dolph Ziggler, you know, I just don't think they're going to invest in him again. I just feel like it's going to be Baron Corbin if, like you said, Sami Zayn stays in this match. But I have a feeling it's not going to happen. I mean, unfortunately for Sami, he thought going to SmackDown would help him a little bit. He'll get some more opportunities. But I have a feeling they're going to take him out. I think Rusev is going to come in. And win this match. I mean, there's a reason why he asked Shane in a, in a promo a couple months ago for a championship match, and Shane did not grant it to him. I think Rusev is going to become champion uh, sooner rather than than later, and he definitely deserves it. He's one of the guys that has been there and worked his ass off, and really does deserve to become champion. He's really improved since he you know first uh, arrived on the main roster. So I'd be happy with that. I wouldn't be happy because you know I love Sami Zayn, and it'd be so unfortunate for him. You know, I think he'd be really, really good in this matchup. But same theory as you, Brian. If uh, Sammy's in, it's Baron Corbin all the way. If Sammy is out, well, it's got to be Rusev. So either way, I'm excited. I think it's going to be
0: a phenomenal ladder match. And I think it's going to be one of the best we've ever seen. And it's going to be one of the best shows of this year for WWE. Again, you know, it's going to be – it's tough to believe that we're going to see great shows with the way WWE books their shows, books their matches, books their decisions. But this – Pay per view has a great chance to be one of the best of this year for WWE because SmackDown Live has done a very nice job in booking these matches. I think the decision making is going to be very solid in, this match, uh, in, in these matches, and we'll see. You know, on, uh, this Sunday we're going to see new stars made, and I believe it's going to be Carmella for women. For the men, Corbin or Rusev will get that opportunity. Should be a great match. No ma- great match no matter what. Should be a great pay per view no matter what. So hopefully everyone enjoys it. Uh, before we let you guys go. Quick touch on this. Floyd Mayweather, Conor McGregor, it is official August 26th, Las Vegas on pay-per-view. It's going to go down. We're not going to break down the fight yet. When we get closer to the fight in August, we will break it down and give our predictions. But it is happening. Mayweather, McGregor, that is going to be insane. It will definitely be the biggest draw. In probably pay-per-view history. It's going to be the biggest box office hit in pay-per-view history. Just how because of how big these two guys are. Should be interesting. But again, when that fight comes close, we'll break down the fight. Uh, again, guys, that's all the time we got. Again, uh, thank you guys for tuning in on It'sYourRadio.com. But if again, if you happen to miss us live on It'sYourRadio.com... Subscribe to us to, to us, excuse me, on iTunes and on Stitcher. Leave us a rating. Give us your thoughts about our show. If you want to follow us on social media? Go right ahead. On Twitter at Ramble, IYR. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Royal Ramble Wrestling. And follow us on Instagram at Royal Ramble Wrestling, guys. Hopefully everyone enjoys their weekend. Enjoy Money in the Bank this Sunday. And we will see you guys again next week. Same time, same channel. It's YourRadio.com, 4 p.m. Eastern. We're going to do it all. We're going to recap Money in the Bank. We're going to recap Raw, Smackdown Live NXT, maybe some news on the independents going on. We'll give you guys all the details, all that happening next week so we